to Let's Be Frank. It's the 2023 Oscar Palooza special, and boy are my arms tired from clapping at all of the movies. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the most wonderful time of year. The stars are out, uh, and uh, and so are you. We are, uh, and you're the biggest star of all, baby. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is the first episode of Let's Be Frank in six months to a year. Uh, but hey, we're coming back hot. We've got a, a listener favorite episode today. We've got some listener favorite guests. Uh, and I will be coming out with more episodes over the course of the year. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, we've been uh, very active over on the Hoops Crew feed. So go ahead and like and subscribe over on Hoops Crew, but we're not here today to talk about hoops. We're here today to talk about cinema, um, the art of cinema. Um, and with me, uh, as always, on this journey, I have two incredible co-hosts, uh, and uh, and let's just let's just get into it. Um, I am uh, also joined, uh, before I welcome my first co-host, I am also joined by my virtual background, which is Ryan Seacrest um, uh, at the Dick Clark uh, New Year's Rocking Eve 2022. So I don't know if that's for the most recent New Year's Eve or for 2021 into 2022. I don't know how they determine that math there. But Ryan Seacrest is also here in spirit, so... um, uh, thank you, Ryan, for um, for being here. Uh, and now, uh, it is my great privilege, 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 to welcome my first amazing co-host, joining me once again from New York City, the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, the home of Robert De Niro and Spider-Man, Mitch Lerner. It is so great to be here uh, and not be at Ryan Seacrest's party. It got <laughs> weird last year. He He's holding his champagne like no one who has ever held a bottle of champagne in his <laughs> life in that picture. He's just showing that it's the 50th anniversary. I think that they do promote it for the next year because the, the, the previous year ah. that you just lived through w- was terrible. So right. they're, oh, they're, so they're, they're the selling you the optimism of the future year. That makes sense. Yeah. He is holding the champagne bottle um, like a murder weapon. (laughs) You know, that's what happened to Brian, whatever his name is, the other co-host of uh, of American American uh, Idol. Idol. Yeah. (laughs) Seacrest beat him uh, to death with the champagne bottle. And then he said Seacrest out. That's it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Very good. How you doing, Mitch? I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm very excited to be here talking movies on the uh, biennial episode of Let's Be Frank. <laughs> hey, and, uh, you know, this is a, a throwback to Wooten High School 2005. You played Oscar in a play. You played oh. a character named Oscar in a play. And and you played the neat one. I played the neat one. That's right. We were in The Odd <laughs> Couple and Mitch played Oscar. So... You know a little something about Oscars. I do. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we can't wait to bring that that experience uh, to the fore uh, in our discussion tonight. And It's all I've got. I've seen none of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, a market improvement over last year where, 
you know, mostly me, but occasionally uh, Matt, I think, uh, hadn't seen one of them. I think, Mitch, you were the only mo- person who had seen all the movies last year. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I didn't want to bring that up, but definitely. <laughs> yeah, but this year we saw all the movies. So this year we could talk about all of them. Um, so good. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, and speaking of great, we have another great co-host uh, joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. It is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Sparacino. Matt, hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Frank. Thank you for having me back this year. I am also very excited. What do you think Ryan Seacrest's favorite movie of 2022 was? <laughs> um, maybe he's a tar, man. <laughs> I don't know. What would, what, what, what would Ryan Seacrest like? I could see, you know, you guys were talking about yeah, he is holding the bottle of champagne like a murder weapon. He has kind of a murderous grin, maybe like a, a a glass onion. I was like wondering, yeah, mystery. glass onion, yeah, yeah. The, the knives out type thing. I, I didn't know. see. I didn't see glass onion. Did you guys see that? Uh, yeah, I saw it. I'll bet Ryan Seacrest. Uh, that is his favorite movie, but he had to watch it like three times to get it. <laughs> mm. Well, it's like an there onion. There. there was a you, lot to unpack. You peel there, there back was, the layers. You peel back the layers. It's just boom. I think you would like That's it, Frank. Right. You should check it out. I, I I really liked Knives Out. I don't know why I didn't watch it. I think it was because like um, I feel like most people watched it at home with their parents over the holidays, and that just never happened when I was visiting my parents over the holidays. So I just feel like I missed it. But I'll go back and give it a watch. I liked Knives Out. It was fun. I it definitely I thought at least it wasn't as good as Knives Out, but it was a fun like. It was a fun movie. I can definitely see why people were watching it with families. That definitely seems like the consensus is that it was a little, it seemed like it was a little bit more of a lukewarm reception than uh, Knives Out. Yeah, I yeah. I felt that way a little bit. I don't, Mitch, I, how did you feel? You know, it, Knives Out, I really loved the first Knives Out. Uh, yeah. And I thought this was uh, just like a very different movie and I preferred Knives Out. Yeah, I, I feel like I, in a weird way, I feel like White Lotus kind of ate the lunch of Glass Onion, like mm. Mediterranean, beautiful, sunny, rich, uh, rich people satire. You know, interesting. Like, yeah, it was it was very similar color palettes and um, and vibes. Um, as someone who hasn't seen the movie, <laughs> no, you're I, no, you yeah, got I, it, you I, got I, it. So. Yeah, yeah, you are not wrong. Well, um, well, let's uh, let's boys, let's get into it. Uh, we are, uh, I guess, a couple of notes here uh, for the listener up top. We are going to uh, start with our sort of overall impressions of the year. Then we're going to get into Mitch's movie Mountain, in which he will take us through his definitive rankings of the Best Picture nominees. Uh, we'll also talk through some honorable mentions from this year, as well as some uh, listener mail. We got some listener mail for this year. Um, and also we will, uh, be releasing hopefully two different versions of this podcast, one with spoilers and one without. So if you're looking for a podcast without spoilers, go listen to the no spoilers, uh, version. And if you're looking to, you know, uh, if if you've seen all the best picture nominees or you don't care if they get spoiled, uh, stick around for the spoiler episode. So, uh, so something for everybody, um, spoiler alert. Both episodes are going to fucking rock. (laughs) 
Yay! <laughs> um, delightful. Um, well, uh, let's get started, boys, with overall impressions. Um, Mitch, why don't we start with you? Uh, not to put you on the spot, but what did you think about the uh, the year in movies? What do you think about this slate that we have uh, to review today? It started in January, and it wrapped up in December. And a lot of them didn't come out until the next February, from what I understand. Um, and so that's generally how the Oscar season works, from what I can gather. And uh, it was a solid 14-month year for the Oscars. Um, I, I, I actually did... Uh, I thought everything everywhere all at once was in the previous year's thing by the time that this year came along. Cause I had first seen it. So, uh, so long ago. And, uh, my brain is a sieve, a uh, sieve, sieve. No, no, I, it's, I think it's sieve, but no, I, you're right. It's very unusual that it got, re- it got released in April of last year, maybe late April, uh, early May. And it's very unusual that a film actually, sticks around like nomination season is usually like fall. So it's fresh in voters minds. So I think that they were uh, somewhat surprised uh, with the reception and the fact that it's in this position that it is now. Yeah. Um, Uh, But, but like, as far as the movies overall go, I thought it was a really, it's it's like a great year. I don't hate any of these movies that were nominated for best picture. Like I don't feel strongly against any of them, which will make for a less entertaining take machine, <laughs> but but is better for movies. Um, and uh, I thought that there's like there's like a bunch of different categories of these movies, and we've basically got like we've got a couple of like blockbusters in there, and then we have some smaller idea movies, and then we have um, some like personal movies that were made in the guise of larger movies, which mm. I think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a really cool um, like year and like a great uh, diversity of movies. We could talk about mm-hmm. like other kinds of diversity that are lacking later, but like a great diversity of like the kinds of movies that were nominated for best picture that I think mm-hmm. is really good for movies in general. I totally agree. And also want to echo the fact that I also didn't hate any of these best picture nominees. I think it's a good year of movies. It also feels really fun that I feel like this is the first year that like we're really back from COVID, at least movies wise, because last year it felt very like scattershot of like a few of the movies were only released on streaming. Like most people didn't see any of those movies in theaters or maybe saw like one or two. And this year, like, Pretty much everything we're going to talk about today had a theatrical release. I mean, some of them are more art house pictures, so they wouldn't be like wide releases in the same way that like Avatar is or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's kind of cool that like the the movie industry is back. I feel like there was a lot of doom and gloom about like, oh, movies are over and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about movies right now. Matt, how are you feeling about movies? Uh, how did you feel about this year at the movies? I agree with a lot of what Mitch said, especially about the 14 month calendar, because I watched uh, one of these 10 best best picture films today. And when I uh, clicked on it on my streaming app, the year listed was 2023. So very much feeling that. (laughs) Um, and, And yeah, I also what was said about everything, everywhere, all at once, Frank, you and I saw that that movie Mm -hmm. about a year ago, we saw it last Mm -hmm. spring together. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
uh, yeah, just weighing that movie against some of these other movies, which have just come out in the past month or two. Uh, very interesting. Cause it, it just feels like two totally different kind of times that we're coming from, but I hear what you're saying in terms of being back from COVID. It does feel that way. It feels like there are more good movies out this year than there were last year, even though last year there were a few really great movies, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, I also agree that there were no, none of these 10 best picture movies. I would say I hate, um, there's, and, and, you know, last year, uh, we piled on a couple of them, a couple of the movies, especially, uh, notably the power of the dog. Um, that movie sucked. Yeah, I haven't revisited that one in the past. You guys year. haven't been I, rewatching Power of the Dog every month. Oh, no. Have you have you been going back to the well there, Mitch? Oh yeah, it stays exactly the same. Dog shit movie. Oh man. I feel like our our thoughts on that are gonna age pretty well. I have yeah. no regrets. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's uh, there were a couple movies that uh I wasn't crazy about, but nothing that I hated. I feel like every movie here has something to offer something interesting something entertaining hopefully both um yeah i yeah and i i think there's a lot of variety which is fun like there are some just straight up big blockbusters um several big action movies um but also like some kind of Sorry, like, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Finish just your more, more traditional Oscar movies too. There's, there's a kind of a, a lot of, um, you know, diversity is maybe not the right word because there's variety in some senses, but not in others. But there's a lot of different genres represented in this field that I feel like that's not always necessarily the case. Well, I feel like one thing that. I think the Academy has done well over time is champion diversity. No, um, that was a joke. Uh, no, I think one thing the Academy has done really well was, I don't know, maybe it was 10 years ago or something like that. They opened it up to 10 best picture nominees, which was yeah. a great choice because Avatar and Top Gun, I don't think get nominated for best picture unless uh, it's 10 best picture nominees. And not, not because I dislike those movies. I'm not tilting my hand here at all in terms of, what I thought about those movies, but you know, it's, it's a lot harder for those blockbuster movies to make it in comparison to, I don't know. I I don't want to talk about it too much and give away my thoughts, but in comparison to some other movies that are more traditionally like prestige Oscar movies. Um, so I love yeah. that the Academy opened it up to 10. I think that that has been very successful um, in what they were trying to do in terms of having a wider net and, and appealing more broadly to people. Um, so um, great job, Academy. Uh, I'm, I'm you've never you. done anything I'm, wrong in my eyes. <laughs> well, maybe not on that last point, but I, <laughs> I do agree that expanding the field, which I, if I remember right, they did um, in response to the dark Knight not being nominated. It's something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it was around that time. So it's, I mean, God, at this point, it's probably been more than 10 years, maybe pushing 15, but um, yeah, I, I think expanding the field has been great. I hear people complain about it sometimes and it's, it's usually, I feel like under the the guise of like, well, it's just too many movies for me to see. But I, you know, it's it's exposure for more movies and more variety. Like, because I'm with you. I don't think Top Gun or Avatar is nominated in a five 
movie field. And that is kind of the whole point of these kinds of awards. Like, yes, it is like a, you know, famous circle jerk for, you know, Hollywood. But like, I think more importantly than that, it is showing it, it is a the best advertisement for movies that exists. And yeah. it's it's sort of the industry as a whole saying like, hey, here's what we want to showcase that these are the movies that if you watch them all, you're probably going to love movies or, or there's going to mm-hmm. be one movie of this bunch that you're going to fucking love. And like, you're not going to be able to uh I mean, like, and you'll want to go see more movies after you see this. Mm -hmm. So it's it's showcasing all of these people who are making some of the best stuff. uh, And in turn, it's just there to get people to watch more movies. So Mm -hmm. expanding the field is, you know, a a great tool of that. Mm hmm. I totally agree. I actually, you know, I've really come, uh, uh, Mitch, you and I have a friend, uh, Ross, who may or may not be listening. Shout out to Ross. If you're listening, we uh, won't call it. We won't say his name. (laughs) (laughs) He's, uh, he's very skeptical of the Oscars. Um, and very, Mm. he, he, because he doesn't like, uh, I don't want to speak for him here, but I think to a certain extent, it's like, he doesn't like the game of like, which art is the best art. And like, I totally get that. I think that that is a very valid thing. Like there are a couple of uh, decisions that the Academy is going to have to make uh, on, on Oscar night that is going to like, like Michelle Yeoh or Kate Blanchett getting best actor. That's like, just, just to tip my hand on what I thought about those two performances. That's a fucking tough yeah. It's tough choice, in my opinion. Um, and so it's really hard to be like, this art- artist's art was better than this artist's art when they are both so fucking good in both of those movies. So I definitely get that criticism. But I do think that there is something really, um, one thing I love about the Oscars is it, it gives you kind of a curated list of like, here's what we think you should watch. And, uh, yeah, that can be a little bit like, uh, elitist or whatever. There's, there's problems with that in a lot of ways, but I also really like it. Cause it, cause, uh, I, I wouldn't have, uh, found a reason to, to watch some of these movies otherwise. So, yeah. And, and also on that night, just seeing some people who have spent careers, maybe not getting recognized for all that they're putting into it. Um, you know, just sort of like bask in the idea that like people have been like, Hey, we've seen everything you've done. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, as an artist, you don't like to think that that stuff matters, but like, I'm sure it feels good after a 50 year career. Absolutely. And and it's beautiful to see and inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. But on that, on that note, something we talked about a good amount last year was they made a decision in the broadcast to, to pre-tape like a quarter of the, the awards the like technical uh, awards yeah, yeah a bunch of the technical awards um do either of you know i i think if i remember correctly they are going back to broadcasting uh, everything i yeah. think they said oopsie i think they said yeah, oopsie good. and they brought it back um good. i th- is is where i remember that going so, because yeah. yeah like what you're saying mitch is exactly right i i and i hear what ross is saying too there's saying this art is the best art and that's interesting because mitch with with your ranking i'm curious to hear kind of you know what you're talking about is this the best is this your favorites what's going on Mm -hmm. with yeah with that how we think about this stuff but 
but there is something cool about, you know, bringing those people together and, um, I don't know, just deciding what to be recognized and encourage people to get out there and, and see some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that they are bringing those categories back. Cause God, that was so, that was ridiculous. And they, you know, what happened last year was Dune, the, the one best picture nominee that was actually really popular and sold tickets at the box office. That was the movie whose wins ended up being pre-taped. So yeah, just kind of shot themselves in the foot. I'm glad they're reversing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, hey, uh, we kind of alluded to one of our listener mail questions. So I'm calling an audible here and I'm going to share audio from a listener. Uh, this is from Jake Freilich. Uh, and this is a question for the panel here. And I think this will be a good question for us to think about uh, before we get into Mitch's movie, Mountain. So Mitch, I'm going to uh, play the question and it'll be addressed to you. So uh, let's hear from Jake. Uh, give me one second here. When you're reflecting on the movies that you saw this year, how much do you weigh what you consider the quality of the movie or how well done it is versus how much fun you had watching it or how much you enjoyed the experience? So thank you, Jake, for sending that in. And again, the question is, uh, when you're weighing uh, a movie, like for Mitch's movie Mountain, you have to like rank the Best Picture nominees, which is a pretty dumb assignment that we give you, and I apologize for doing it. But you have to, you know, we were kind of talking about this over text. You kind of have to like weigh like how well done it is versus how much you liked it, which is could be two things that butt up against each other. Like, for example... All Quiet on the Western Front, which we will get to in a minute, is a very well-made movie, but it's not a very enjoyable movie to watch because it is, it's just very violent and brutal. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But how do, how do you think about that uh, when you're uh, ranking your movies on Mitch's Movie Mountain? That's, that's a great question. Uh, and it's something that I've been like struggling with over the last uh, like little bit of time putting putting it together because several I minutes think, several minutes yeah at least <laughs> at least the last 48 seconds have been very hard for me the way that i looked at it this year is a little bit differently from last year last year i was really um uh weighing how much fun i had with every movie as like probably the most important thing and this year it was more the question that I asked myself was how strongly would I recommend somebody see this movie? Mm, mm. And I think all of the, almost all of the movies this year uh, set out to do what they accomplish incredibly, which is why I don't dislike any of them. Mm -hmm. So like there, there was really no way, no way to like knock any of them based on, was this movie really well made or not? There was one element of one of the movies that did knock it down a little bit, and I'll I'll talk about it when it when when that comes up. But like, I think these are the best picture nominations. They're all going to be made pretty fucking well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not I'm not worried about like the craft. I'm worried about like mm -hmm. if I were talking to a stranger and some something got brought up, I'd be like, "Oh, this movie. Have you seen it? Oh, you got to see it." And like, how strongly would I feel about it? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's what, uh, that's what I was going for. Does that, does that answer the question? I think so. I think so. Yeah. 
Um, we were pulling up in the background here. I was pulling up your list from last year just to uh, just to evaluate Ooh. it. But I think it's yeah. I think it's incorrect because I think Dune is a lot lower on it. So I think I think this is well, incorrect. So I, I will also the, edit this out. Yeah, this is not right. Yeah. Um, but um, but I think that uh, sorry, <laughs> this is going very smoothly. No, um, this is great. This is great. I think that uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to stay away from like objectively, is this well done or not? Because like there are a million different lists Mm -hmm. out there and like, who the fuck am I? So it was just like, okay, what did I like the best to the point that I would like impel other people to watch it the most? Yeah. That's the, that's the question. I love that. I love that. Well, let's, um, Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll insert a, a pause here, and then we're going to climb Mitch's Movie Mountain. So we'll be right back. And we're back. All right. Uh, before we get started with the 2023 climb up Mitch's Movie Mountain, uh, let's do a look back on the 2022 list of Mitch's Movie Mountain. Uh, Matt, I believe you have the the rankings in front of you right now. I do. March... 2022 if we could all Mm. step back for a moment Mm. um the power of the dog was on netflix and it was number 10 on mitch's list (laughs) uh and that we all agreed on yeah uh we had power of the dog at 10 don't look up was it nine west side story at eight nightmare Mm. alley at seven Mm -hmm. coda was six Ooh, interesting. Uh, which eventually won. Yeah. Drive My Car was five. Belfast oh. four. King Richard three. Licorice Pizza two. Dune was one. And with an asterisk that Mitch's favorite movie last year was the worst person in the world. Yes, that's right. And I Mitch, still haven't watched that movie. It is still on my list. I'm going to watch that movie, Mitch. Does that Mitch, how do you feel about that list a year later? Does that Good question. ring true? Well, it doesn't bode well for what I just said about weighing the most fun movies last year. Because the, the, the middle, the some of the fun ones are lower on that list. Like Coda? Um, <laughs> Coda's, Coda, I think Coda's where it should be. Yeah, feel um, good. The, feel good. Yeah. Uh, but like Drive My Car, not a particularly fun movie. Um, uh, beautiful, was, though. Really beautiful and definitely a sign of things to come when it came to the length of movies that we now expect Oscar <laughs> nominations to be. Uh, but like great movie. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking back then. Uh, well, I think generally this year's movies are more fun. Like, yeah, that, I think that so. list of movies uh, like uh, th- there isn't a, a, you know, a Top Gun there like. I don't know. Some of those movies are are kind of a tough hang, which we we definitely have plenty of this year too. But well, let's 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 get into them. Let's start talking about some of these uh, tough hangs because they might be at the bottom of the list. <laughs> uh, I we I, I should say for our listeners, Matt and I both don't know Mitch's list here, so we're going to be finding yeah. out in real time with and you. We should. We should also say, because last year, you know, Mitch did his due diligence. He actually watched all 10 movies. Frank and I did not in time for recording of the pod. We saw, you know, who remembers exactly how many, but uh, Mitch outdid us this year. All three of us 
have seen all 10 movies. That's right. And I, I think all three of us also saw the 10th within the last like 24 hours or so. Yes. yes. So, yeah, but we, yeah. we got it in there. So uh, yeah, well I don't know. It'll, it'll just be interesting to see how different our opinions are. I'm excited. We should to get see. an Oscar for doing that. I think we should. Right. And I think, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, yeah. Like lifetime achievement down the road. <laughs> a couple of, couple of decades from now. Yeah, uh, personal best ribbons, as the as the reactionaries <laughs> like to say. That's what we want, us millennials. Participation trophies, yes. You're goddamn um, right I want a participation trophy. <laughs> it's a fucking trophy. Come Hell on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Mitch, uh, you are our Sherpa as we climb Mitch's movie mountain. And so I defer to you. Are you ready to start climbing Mitch's movie mountain? Yes, I have uh, a disclaimer to give before I okay. <laughs> uh, proceed to guide you up the mountain. Okay. Um, and you should know this because a Sherpa needs to be uh, uh, very, um, you know, reliably footed and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, steady. Mm -hmm. Now, in mid-January, I had a minor surgery. Everything... Mm is fine. Don't have to talk about it. I'm you got healthy. your fa you got your face uh, uh ripped off and put back on, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just a typical Hollywood oh, you, face rip. You swapped <laughs> you swapped face. Like who's did you get another person's face? Yeah, Nicolas Cage actually. <laughs> wow, he's he's really hitting rock bottom, huh? Yeah, I I, sh I should have gone with Travolta. <laughs> I mean, no offense. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you look great for what thank it's you. worth. You yeah. do look good. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It has nothing to do with that, but I was on sur. I did have surgery. And th uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because I saw about half of these movies while I was on painkillers <laughs> re recovering from the surgery. That's hilarious. Great. So, so, Perfect. you know, my opinions might be a little bit, uh, Foggy, tinted, skewed, who knows? Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, uh, number 10, um, which I have a feeling we might all agree upon, okay. uh, is All Quiet on the Western Front, y directed yes. by Edward Berger. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, uh, Matt, do you have the other uh, awards it is nominated for, Runtime? that information I do yeah so just a, a quick rundown of the the stats as it were all quite on the western front this is a, a german film uh like you said mitch directed by edward edward berger also written by uh him and a couple other folks it's nominated for a bunch of stuff it had as many nominations as almost any other film but uh anyways best picture of course also best adapted screenplay Best International Film, Best Score, Best Sound, Production Design, Cinematography, Makeup and Hairstyling, and also Visual Effects. So, um, I mean, God, what does that come to? Eight or nine nominations. It, it, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but certainly represented in a lot of places. This is a, uh, I'll do a two sentence summary for each of these films. This is an adaptation of a novel. I can't remember what year it came out, but 1920 
something uh, of a German. It was written by a veteran of World War One, and it is a the novel and the movie are about a young man named Paul who goes to the war front uh, in 1917. Uh, in Germany, he goes to the Western Front, uh, the trenches, uh, sort of on the border between France and Germany, and survives the, tries to survive the horrors of war, and that's what the movie's about. And it is yeah, and two hours and forty five minutes of yeah horrors of war. I was gonna say yeah because I, I we're gonna mention this for each movie because I think it'll be a recurring thing. But this movie is according to Wikipedia dot org. 147 minutes long. Pretty long. There we go. Pretty long. longer. <laughs> Feels yeah. longer when you're when you're being bombarded with horrific images. But um I yeah, Mitch, I, I think you're right. This would be 10 for me. Why is it 10 Same. for you? It, it's 10 for me because it was completely unenjoyable to watch, and I felt like it didn't add anything to the conversation about why we know war is horrible uh that hasn't already been said in other films and that's not to say they didn't do it well it's beautifully made um it's incredibly yeah the production is incredible yeah yeah, it's 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 really wonderful a wonderfully way a wonderfully made war film that we didn't need Mm -hmm. i agree I, i i had a thought when watching it um which was what are the great world war one movies and i was like is this the first great world war one movie of our generation and then i was like oh 1917 came out a few years ago which i never saw and i'd I'd like to see um so this might be the first great um world war one movie and i think there's some merit i think culturally in america we don't remember that war um in the same, like on the same pedestal or whatever as World War II, even though it was a very devastating war and we should probably understand it a little bit better. But I also don't think you're necessarily going to get all of the nuances of the dynamics of World War I in this movie. I do think that there's like some really, uh, I shouldn't say fun, but really they do a good job of showing the disparity of the soldiers on the fields versus the military officers in the castles eating their, mm. you know, mutton chops and drinking their wine and throwing the swill on the ground. And, yes, you know, there's, very there's much. a lot of commentary in that way that I think is really helpful. But, yeah. Yeah. War is an old man's decision and a young man's death. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. 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 I mean, the it definitely drives home the i think the message of of how horrific war is and i i you know when when you say we we didn't need this film i don't know that i 100% agree cuz both going into the movie and watching the movie i i was hesitant to watch this movie i did not want to watch it it's a war film i knew it was probably going to be pretty graphic which it was extremely graphic i I cannot emphasize enough how extraordinarily graphic uh i'll cut this out for the spoiler version but a man stabs himself in the neck to death with a fork um Uh there is a scene with flamethrowers where you watch a young man get burned alive with flamethrowers you you see a young man get run over by a tank it is the, the man, violent. the man, when Paul is in the ditch with the guy yes. who, and who dies over the course of like five minutes into his mouth. And yeah, it's fucking and brutal. So 
so yeah, it, it, it's just a really, it's a tough, it's a tough hang. I've, but all that said, just with the fact that, you know, I also thought about 1917, Frank, because that was a World War One movie. It was just a few years ago. The difference is there is war in Europe right now. Yeah. So yeah. watching this movie that was on my mind and I was thinking about like, like maybe, maybe this is a moment for a movie like this, but watching it, I, I, I didn't really feel like it had something new to say. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just so, it was so graphically horrific and and yeah we we have had tons of movies about world war ii about vietnam that make that point and it, it was very effective at making it it was beautifully shot god the fucking cinematography in that movie was incredible the landscape photography in this movie i think <laughs> we would all agree that it's five yes. stars we should do landscape photography ratings for each movie um, that's sort of our niche um and it's five stars <laughs> in this film Five, five stars, five, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. But the vibes, on a scale of negative ten to ten, the vibes are a negative ten. The vibes it's, are, are it is horrific. A, it and, is a tough hang all the way through. Which is my oh, own critique yes. of the, the, the film on its like on its surface as a film, like whether or not we are an audience <laughs> that like needed this film. Like, there's no relief throughout it. And I get that there was no relief in the trenches, like, mm -hmm. you know, and if they want the audience member to be transported to the trenches and, you know, feel what it was to be a young German in that scenario or a young Frenchman or a young Ukrainian or a young Russian, then then good. But this movie's two hours and 45 minutes long and we've all chosen to see it. Yeah. Like there has to be some sort of a, uh, a, a roller coaster ride involved in this rather than just a slow descent from really bad to worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this will be for the spoiler cast. I read after because I have never read the novel. I read after that Paul does not die in the novel. Paul goes home oh at the end of the novel. And there's a whole sequence where uh, it's basically like you find out that the people at home didn't really know what was happening out there. And, you know, he comes back all, all uh, damaged from the war, but you know, the people at home are, are totally unaware of what was happening on the front lines and stuff. And I, I think the movie actually could have used that. Um, yeah, and I was a little, I, I, I was a little disappointed after to learn that. And I was like, that actually would have helped drive home. I think what one of the points of the movie was, so, That's why I was so mad that Paul died in this yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. Because it was like, well, if he doesn't come home and share this story, then what was the fucking point? Yeah. You know, and I guess maybe you could argue that like, well, he doesn't come home and then World War II happens. Right. Um, But, you know, the idea that he has to, someone has to grapple. Mm -hmm. With all of this stuff that they've seen, yeah, the only person they give us who might be able to do that is a young kid who was there for one day, who's sort of like the new Paul mm -hmm. at the very end of the war. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it felt like a cop out, really, at the end of the movie. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was it was very frustrating. Yeah, agree. All I right, let's it, move. On. Yeah, 
Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, just I, I think it would have been a much more interesting end to the movie if they had done that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just so much death and so much darkness in the movie and, and something like that. Um, I don't know what would have been interesting, would have been a little different. I agree. Well, let's move on to number nine on Mitch's movie mountain. Uh, Mitch, what's at number nine? Number nine is Elvis directed by Boz Lerman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Elvis directed by Boz Lerman, written by Boz Lerman and a few other gentlemen. We have a Sam Bromel, Craig Pierce, Jeremy Donor. Uh, this film is 159 minutes long. Mm-hmm. That's uh, about two hours and 40 minutes for those of you scoring at home. Uh, (laughs) This also has a lot of nominations. This movie is nominated for best picture, uh, best actor, Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, uh, best sound production design, cinematography, makeup and hairstyling, costume design and editing. Nice. Uh, My summary of this movie this is a tough one to summarize, but it's about the life of Elvis. <laughs> um, yeah, Mitch, uh, what 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 puts this at number nine for you? I, I think I agree. I haven't done my definitive rankings, but I think it's it's around here for me as well. I I loved so much about this movie and mm-hmm. had so much fun watching it. There's two main reasons it's at nine for me. One of them is its runtime. And the other one is, and I love him. He's one of the all-time greats. Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. What are you doing, man? It's rough. It's so rough. I liked it. Frank, come (laughs) on, man. I thought it was fun. This dude is, Tom Hanks is so fucking bad in this movie. Disagree. I he what makes him what makes him bad bad is what makes him like the the way he looks and the way he talks so his so his makeup his makeup is bad and you're gonna hold that against him I I didn't notice actually I did notice that makeup and hairstyling was one of the nominations so Tom Hanks is wearing he is wearing a fat suit yes oh yeah for sure I mean I think he probably gained some weight in real life too this is also the movie that he got uh COVID on at the beginning of the COVID oh, pandemic, really? he was working I on Elvis. So just fun historical fact there for but you. He he's in heavy prosthetics and has a just totally bizarre accent. <laughs> and not just that, but there's there's so many shots of the movie because he is he is the villain of the movie. The the whole sort of I guess perspective of the movie is that um, Colonel Parker, who was his manager, is that is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, basically just constantly was taking advantage of Elvis and sort of was this manipulator um, who uh, I I guess caused the bad things that happened in Elvis's life. So there's like all these scenes of him kind of like sneaking around and looking at Elvis and he just looks ridiculous in this movie. Yes. I, I, I have slightly more, compassion for it i think i fall somewhere in the middle of the two of you on this uh but it just felt like he was in a completely different movie as everybody else 
And it, it just, it took me out of it. And what further like confuses me is that he said in interviews that, you know, it was a choice with him and Boz Lerman. So they, I, I respect that they took a big swing on this. And I think that creative choice just didn't work. But he said in interviews that they know that Colonel Tom Parker didn't sound like that. Yeah. He didn't have an accent like that. He was doing it to showcase that this guy is such an other sort of like alien presence in Elvis's life. And this was how they decided to like make that come to life. So I just um, I loved so much about this movie. And that was just like every single time he talked, I was like, that can't be right. Well, let's not let's not get stuck on on Hanks here because Austin Butler really is really good in the movie. I think the movie is incredibly fun. I love Baz Luhrmann. I love the like over the top visual style of his movies. I think it works really well for Elvis. In fact, I felt like uh, over the course of the movie, I wish we had more of that. Like I felt like in the first act, they really like leaned into like the crazy like text cards and and swooping camera angles and like zoom in on people's eyes and then zoom out and it's like you're in a whole new location and like all those like fun cinema wizardry stuff um i sort of missed over the course of the movie um elvis also does have to save the world and restore uh race relations in this movie there is a section where that happens but yeah uh so it does suffer from like the weight of like biopic like um you know, making the person seem like a god, even though yeah, what's you know, what's the just word? A human. What's the word you used for that, Frank? Uh, hagiography, I believe, is what it's called. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, and that's kind of the perfect, I think, summation of this movie. Like it, it is very entertaining. We also like, don't get to see Fat Elvis. We barely get to see Fat Elvis, which was like a, a huge part bit, of his a life. Little, yeah. A little bit at the end. And well, and that's kind of the thing is that this movie celebrates him to the point yes. of worship. And yes. they never show us Nixon. They never show us Elvis meeting Nixon. They don't really show us like right. the bad side of Elvis at all. And like Hanks, we, we have to talk about Hanks because it, it the movie basically frames it as everything is that character's fault. And it right. makes him so one dimensional and literally into this like cartoonish villain with the voice and the prosthetics and it's it just turns everything into like this very kind of black and white hero villain story and it it, it can kind of only go so far but the music in the movie is fucking incredible like i didn't oh, see this so in the good. theater yeah. but i'm sure if it did like both the mixing the directing like you were talking about frank and austin butler as elvis he's fantastic he's and, super good he is um, so good and so yeah. attractive. My He's so God. fucking hot. Incredible. Jesus Christ. And yeah. the way that they do that he part can of- He butt me. Uh, Austin, I mean, butt me. He's butting all over the place. <laughs> uh, the, the wet butts everywhere. I think that's how that works. <laughs> Um, the way that they explore that part of it too, of like the sex appeal of Elvis, uh, like- and the shaking that, of the hips and that stuff. That was a very cool yeah. part of it. It was movie. really good. Yeah. yeah. Like and the the yeah, the and the race relations in the movie that you alluded to, Frank, like it was one of those things where it was I, I think a good thing that it was a part of the story and a part of what the movie was trying to do. But again, it just positioned Elvis as this kind of hero of the story and um 
like you said, like this guy who was going to just kind of solve everything in the sixties. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm with you, Mitch. I also had this movie, I think is my ninth out of the 10. Cause it just as fun as it could be, there were, um, I don't know, just, just some things kind of holding me back from really getting invested in the story. I feel like sometimes, um, Boz Lerman, I, I feel like Boz Lerman is kind of like the Zack Snyder of art house. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's, that's so good. Yeah, like there are that. some things he does absolutely incredibly. And then there's like parts of yeah. his movies where you're like, Oh, this yeah. again. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he takes a lot of big swings. That's for sure. Yeah. I would yeah. like to work with both of them for the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I think Boslerman would be so fucking fun to work with. Like you just get we, to fucking like go huge. And we should every probably movie. say, we should probably say as a blanket that everyone we criticize, including Ryan Seacrest, we would be more than willing <laughs> sure. to work with. Yes, absolutely. You know, he, he, moments, could, he could beat me with notice. that champagne bottle as much as he wants, you know? Uh, wet butts everywhere. <laughs> wet, wet, wet butts everywhere. Um, I think I think that's probably enough on Elvis. Does anybody else have any thoughts before we go? Okay. I mean, see it. Have fun. It's I think it's weird. A, I go watched it with it. my mom. I, we were drinking yeah. a bottle of wine. It was super fun. We talked over the whole thing. I, I don't think you have to take it that seriously. I think it's leaps yeah. and bounds better than some of the other biopics, which I hate as a rule. I think it is so much more interesting that they like, made these big visual swings and like really celebrated the the gaudiness of Elvis, the like larger than life character that he was. So I, I think that made it a lot more fun for me to watch. Yeah. I wish I had seen it with my parents. I talked to them. They said that they really liked it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, and I also think seeing it in a theater with other people too would be a really fun way to see it. Yeah. Shout out to John and Brenda. All right. Uh, let's go to number eight. All right. Number eight. I salute Top Gun Maverick. All right. Okay. Directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Very good. Uh, uh, Matt, can you get us some more details on Top Gun Maverick? Directed by Joseph Kaczynski, but... I mean, let's be real. Starring Tom Cruise. Sure. Um, uh, written by, uh, again, a number of folks, Christopher McQuarrie, who I believe. Uh, he's the Mission has, Impossible guy. Yeah, he's written a number of those films. Aaron and directed. Kruger. Yeah. Oh, directed as well. Yeah. yeah. So clearly, you know, has a relationship with Cruise. Uh, also, Eric Born Singer as a writer on this film. Uh, and a pretty fun cast like miles teller jennifer connelly john ham is in this movie fuck yeah uh this was not shortest movie so far 130 minutes still still pretty long two hours yeah. um but you know that's about as good as it's gonna get for a lot of these movies well, weirdly but... women talking is like a, a smooth one hour and 40 minutes but we'll get there later i guess uh yeah the two sentence summary about this movie is it is a sequel to the movie Top Gun and uh, they got to do another Top Gun in this one. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's really what happens. It's, it's they're, flying, 
a mission for what? I don't even remember. It is to take out a nuclear weapons facility. They are refining uranium and they are uh, soon going to have the capacity to produce nuclear weapons. And it's against an unnamed state that looks like Russia. It's like a wintry landscape. You know, who knows? It's unnamed. Um, So you can you can decide whether or not to put this in the spoilers episode. Sure. it basically culminates in them taking out the Death Star. It's like the yes. same yes. sequence. Yes, basically, which is it super is pretty, fun. They yeah. do like a trench. They do a trench run, and then they have Great. to like do Great their targeting execution. system goes out, and yeah, it's it's um. Anyway, uh, Mitch, why did this come at, at number eight for you? So I feel like to answer uh, the listener question from earlier, I'm clearly like valuing fun less than i thought i was in this list because this movie's pretty fun um and i just like i just think it's 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 cool and it's great and it makes people feel really good and like the stunts oh my god the fact that the these actors were actually flying these planes is mitch can i interrupt you for a second yeah before we go too far the landscape photography in elvis what are we giving that i feel like two stars i don't really remember the landscape photography in elvis yeah. Except for the landscape of Austin Butler's crotch. Hell yeah. That was... That's a five star, baby. All right. Boom. Sorry. Keep going. Um, it's just so so you, you walk out of that movie and you're feeling great, especially people who, you know, have a memory of watching the the first Top Gun. Uh, and I think it does stand on its own too. I just like aside from how amazing the stunts were and how insane it was that all of those actors did all of that shit, I don't really remember anything. Um, so it was like super fun, but just like, that's it. Yeah. I I think I agree with you. I think I was saying this to you guys before we started recording. Um, I, I think the first two acts of this movie were like kind of boring to me. And it was a lot of like retread, like, Hey, let's check in with Jennifer Connelly and see how she's doing and her bar. And I don't fucking remember Jennifer Connelly's bar from the first one. No, and- you, you want to know something crazy about Jennifer Connelly's bar? It's not in the first one and she isn't either, but they, what it, it feels. Yes. It feels like it, doesn't it? She they is Berenstein not in the first movie. Right what into the this. fuck? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let that sink in, Frank. They Mandela affected me real fucking hard. Jesus Christ. They did it to me too. Cause I I think I've seen the original once, but you know, it's it's in the culture. Like I know scenes from it. I know who the characters are. But you know, going into this movie, I didn't have any attachment to that. But yeah, like after I saw it, I I found that out. It's very interesting, right? But wow, I I thought this movie was really really cool. I wish I had seen it in theaters. It's like a big loud movie. It's a fun movie. Agree. Um and like well and and so the the nominations to put a button on that best picture. It also got adapted screenplay. Not really sure what it's adapted from. The first <laughs> Top Gun maybe. That's a great um, point. <laughs> the novelization also- Uh, i don't know um and then uh film editing visual effects and sound and uh, i mean i don't know about screenplay but otherwise i think pretty deserved like the movie the landscape photography in this one is a fucking 10 definitely definitely better than elvis yeah and it's not it 
you know, kind of, I think also like Elvis, it's sort of empty calories. It's, it's kind of like a just for fun, just for entertainment movie, but like, I love a good action movie. This is a great fucking action movie and not just a great action movie, but it felt like, like a nineties action movie made with 2022 technology. Like it, and I don't know that I can describe exactly what I mean, but I think you guys know, right? Like it didn't feel like a, like a Marvel movie or the superhero movies we're so used to. Like it, it felt like a kind of simpler, smaller scale action film, but it was just directed and cut. And Tom Cruise fucking knocked it out of the park. Like he's great in this movie. There's a shirtless, this is not going in the spoiler cast. There's a shirtless football scene on the beach where he's playing uh, uh, shirtless football against these like young, hot, everybody in this movie is fucking hot, by the way. Everybody is hot in this movie. And he's like playing uh, football against these kids. And he's like in as good of shape as these fucking 20 year olds. He's fucking like 60 years old. It's insane. Yeah. Tom Cruise is, is, is a robot. I also, I just have to like, it's so strange to me to like, Tom Cruise is like uh, the Scientology of it all is very strange to me. Like all the terrible things that have come out about Scientology. And then like, if you see Steven Spielberg say like Tom Cruise saved the movies and stuff. And it's like, it's so strange because he is such a good movie star who, who, who gets what movies should be and, and what I want to see in theaters and stuff. And is probably such a piece of shit in in real life even though every story i hear about everybody who's worked with him is he's the nicest guy in the world he remembers your name he remembers all the crew's name he's super friendly to everybody but he is a a part of an organization that like exploits thousands of people all over the world and we don't talk about it and it just the cognitive dissonance of that uh is is difficult for me to process yeah this this movie part of what makes it great is that I wasn't really thinking about that during yeah. it. Um, like it was entertaining enough for me to not think about that when I saw Tom Cruise, which is what I normally think about when I see him. Um, but like, uh, yeah, to its, I don't know if that's to the movie's credit or to its detriment that like it, it, it paints, it does such a good job of making him such a hero again. Um, but like, yeah, two things can be true. He may have saved movie theaters and he may know where David Miscavige's wife is buried. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, on that happy note, let's go on to number seven, unless anybody else has anything they want to say about Top Gun Maverick. I don't think so. The you know, third Miles act of that movie is the, so fucking good. I just got to say that it again. Is. It's yeah, so the... good. It's so fucking fun. Sorry, Matt, <laughs> I, I talked over you. I No, I, I would just also say, because I know you said, Frank, the first and second act didn't work quite as well for you. I, I think all the set pieces in the movie, like the the one earlier in the movie where he kind of like schools the younger pilots. He That's like fun. Is, is That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like the the. I don't know that the exposition is kind of clunky sometimes, but it, it really nails like the big moments in the movie. And also I guess the one other thing I think worth mentioning, we see uh, Val Kilmer for, mm-hmm. I think just the one scene, um, which was like, I, I don't know. Like I thought it was like kind of affecting and mm-hmm. not really having, 
yeah. a relationship with the first movie, but just with him as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very touching. I thought yeah. that was a very touching scene. Uh, really, really cool to see. And like, it underscores uh, my main takeaway from the movie, which is like, see it with your bros, have your bros over. And it's watch a great bros night. Yeah. 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 And, and, and just for, for context, people who haven't seen the movie or, or don't know what's going on with Kilmer, but I, I think my understanding, at least he's, he's been fighting cancer for many years now. I think, um, like throat cancer, esophageal cancer. So in the movie, he's, he's just appearing and his character is sick and it's, it's clear that the actor is sick too. And it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just nice to see him. Nice to see him on screen. Someone who's been in so many great films in his career. Agree. Let's move on to number seven. Number seven. The Fablemans. Ooh, The Fablemans. by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of him? <laughs> yes. Uh, Steven Spielberg, the, the most, I don't know, decorated director ever, maybe. Uh, he wrote this movie as well, along with Tony Kushner, um, famous playwright. This movie is is basically about Spielberg. It's like an autobiographical type film. Um, stars as his parents, Michelle Williams and Paul Dano, um, as well as a young actor. Oh God, what was his name? Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy Fableman, which is basically the Spielberg character. It's 151 minutes, uh, a brisk two and a half hours. (laughs) And this movie uh, received a number of nominations. Um, It was another one of the the films that was kind of toward the top of the list, but picture, of course, director for Spielberg, um, actor and actor or actor in a supporting role for Judd Hirsch, who plays uh, Sammy Fableman. He got uncle. nominated. Yeah. He's yeah, in like for, one scene. He's literally in one scene. I mean, yeah. he's great in that scene. I did not know he was it's nominated. That's it's fucking crazy. Um, Michelle Williams, who plays his mother is nominated. She's so good. She's so uh, good in the movie as a lead. I, I agree. I really liked her. Um, it's also nominated for score John Williams at age 85, 90. I don't even know how old he is, but still cranking out music, uh, production design screenplay. And I believe that is it. Yeah. This is the Steven Spielberg semi-autobiographical movie that you didn't know you wanted. I came into this movie sort of feeling like, I don't really want to see, feels like kind of self-serving. I, I, I don't know. I just kind of came into it like, eh, what, what, what am I really, what am I, is, is this for me? I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And then I really Belfast enjoyed 2. it. 2.0. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really fun. I thought Michelle Williams was great. I thought Seth Rogen was great in it. I thought Paul Dano was great in it. Um, I liked a lot of the the story's message about like art and family will tear you apart. And uh, I thought that he found a lot of good young actors in this. The kid who played Sammy Fableman, the girlfriend, his girlfriend is great. Yeah, she's um, great. The John Ford scene at the there's so many like moments in this movie that I just really enjoyed. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I don't think it's my favorite movie of the year, but I found it way less like self-serving and more like funny and like insightful than I ever thought. And I actually I ended watching it thinking like 
is Spielberg like weirdly underrated now? Like, why did I have some sort of like block against Spielberg? And I felt the same way about West Side Story. I was like, I don't want to yeah. see Spielberg do West Side Story. And then he fucking crushed it. Like, I, I, I feel so maybe very... it's just me, but like, he's fucking brilliant. He's fucking cranking it out. And it's, it's so impressive. I feel very similar to you, Frank. Um, I, I had the same thought with West Side Story. I, you know, I definitely prefer his like 80s, 90s movies that we grew up with, Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and all that. But like all time, I kind of thought I kind of thought he was done. And the last few years, he's put out really great movies. Um, Mitch, this is uh, well, Maverick, Maverick, I think I maybe liked a little more than you, but Fablemans was one of my favorite movies out of this list. Uh, I'm curious because I, I think if I remember right, West Side Story last year was also kind of low for you. Like, how did you feel about this movie? I mean, I was weighing whether or not to say that this would be a controversial uh, number seven before even saying the Fablemans, uh, because I expected to have it higher on my list, too. Um, and it's just it's I think it's great. I think it was really, really good. And I just like the other movies that I haven't mm -hmm. said yet more mm -hmm. um yeah. i like what i what i really liked about this movie was the sort of like end of innocence and child mm -hmm. becoming an artist um uh, that was very cool and then also and like done in a really good way with like judd hirsch being sort of the harbinger of doom mm -hmm. uh, at some point <laughs> in the movie and then all that being borne out which was very cool and i think judd hirsch got nominated because everyone in the academy uh that speech resonated so strongly with them who... and he crushes that scene i mean he he, he takes over it. the movie He's and then he leaves it's it's he it's takes over for cool. like 10 15 yeah. minutes yeah 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 it, Super great. Um, and also all of like all of the stuff that Spielberg has done well, like all of the child actors and like, you know, seeing him basically doing little sequences from like other movies that he did, like the Jaws beach stuff and all of that, like seeing how yeah. watching it, that character discover how to do those things was very cool. Um, and I, I think it had maybe just been a little bit hyped up before I saw it a little oh, bit too much okay. where I, I sort of, I I really liked it. I don't know. Like, I don't have a bad thing to say about this movie, but I do think that some of the interpersonal family drama that it is based on, I can't tell if I wanted uh, it explored more towards the end of the movie or what it was, but I, I, wasn't as emotionally moved by the film as I maybe thought I was going to be, which is just my own expectations getting in the way of it. But I really, I liked it. I just liked other movies better. I have nothing bad totally to fair. say about this movie. Totally fair. Yeah. Real quick. This is for the spoiler cast uh, listeners. Uh, a lot of that stuff is true. His mom did leave his dad for his best friend uh, his dad did take the blame within the family. She did get a monkey. Um, like a lot of the stuff that's in the film is, is, is pretty much how it went, uh, in broad strokes, the, the antisemitism when he moved, uh, out to California. Um, the, uh, I loved that scene with the bully where he's like, 
he's having a breakdown. Like, why did you make me look like a God? Like, don't, don't ever tell anyone about this. And and then uh, the Sammy character is like, well, you know, I might make a movie about it someday. And which is like <laughs> such a fun, like you don't think of Spielberg as like meta, but there are like multiple meta, like jokes about the fact that this is a movie and that he goes on to be Steven Spielberg. I don't know. It's a really like weird movie in a way. Like it, 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 it ends on a joke yeah. about like, camera angles well it, that's the the weirdest it's, it's, it's so yeah anyway sorry it, please go ahead Matt. it is it, it is weird for a spielberg movie and the weirdest it gets is the last 10 minutes the last shot as you said but also just like the last big scene where young sammy has finally like gone professional and goes to hollywood and is about to work on a tv show and then gets to meet john ford John Ford, this David this Lynch great playing John Ford. Yeah, that David, was awesome. Yeah. So one, cool. One great director playing another. And Sammy just has this brief interaction with, you know, John Ford, who is his like idol as a director. And Spielberg has talked about was his idol. And Ford spends like the first minute or two puffing on a cigar. And then finally, like, I don't know, he asks Sammy why he wants to make movies and he gives him one piece of advice. He tells and Sammy says, to look at, yeah, he, he, yeah, he points out two paintings that are on the wall and he's asking Sammy what he sees and he describes Where's the horizon. The, yeah. 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 Sammy's trying to describe the story of the painting, like, oh, there's people that are doing this. And Ford says, no, where's the horizon line? First painting, it's at the top. Second painting, it's at the bottom. And what is the, the advice? How does he sum it up? He says, he says, you know, if the horizon is at the top of the frame, it's interesting. If the horizon is at the bottom of the frame, it's interesting. If the horizon is in the middle of the frame, it's boring. Now get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> I, think, and then I think that might have been verbatim. Up. Yeah, that was great. Then he Thank you. Then he walks out of the office. Sammy Fableman walks out of the office and then walks off the lot. And it, the shot is him walking off the lot and the horizon is in the middle of the frame. And then the camera like jostles, it like goes and like yeah, tilts, tilts so that the horizon's at the bottom of the frame. It's fucking hilarious. It's such a weird, hilarious ending. I loved it. Yeah, this is yeah. this is definitely a movie that I uh, is. There's a few of these that I have penciled in. Like, definitely need to watch it again. Uh, and this is this is one of them for me, where it's like, you know, I don't know. May, it may have been the painkillers talking, but I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just didn't. I, I think feel it's fine at seven. I think it's fine <laughs> yeah, at seven. It's we, we talked about. We talked about. It. There's no bad movies. All of these movies are good. They're pretty the, good. The, the one other thing, Michelle Williams in this movie. She's so good. Frank, I, you and and we've we're everyone's focused on Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, and we'll get to both those movies. But like, I she is. I think like right there she's so good in this movie great and she just is the like emotional anchor of this movie the the way that she has a a self-awareness about her sort of like uncontrollable selfishness as she calls it is like really compelling yeah she is she is both like trying to live the life that she wants while she has one that she doesn't necessarily want anymore while understanding that that is detrimental to the people who she loves the most and that's tearing her apart 
internally throughout the whole movie. Um, and Spielberg does an amazing thing of showing that without really excusing her behavior. She's mm-hmm. like not a very uh, she doesn't come off great mm-hmm. and like his mother in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, but he gives you the whole portrait of everything she was going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get what she chose was the other end of that Judd Hirsch speech of, you know, art will tear you apart. Art and family doesn't match. She chose family, but she's an artist mm-hmm. and it is now tearing that apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well, let's go uh, landscape photography for this one. It's like a two. I don't think it's remarkable landscape photography in the Fableman's. No, the, the the horizon was in the center. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five. Yeah. Let's give it a five. Uh, let's go on to number six, Mitch. Number six, Avatar, The Way of Water. Ah, yes. Directed mm. by James Cameron. Yes, oh. may Awa smile on you. Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, Matt, run us through the runtime, uh, writer, director, nominations. Oh, man, the runtime of this movie is Four hundred and seventy-two. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's a hundred and ninety-two minutes. That's uh, more than three hours. Uh, directed by James Cameron, written by Cameron, um, a couple other folks co-writing as well, and you know the sequel to his movie from 13, 14 years ago, and. This movie got a a decent number of nominations. I remember it was nominated for Best Picture last time around, too. This time, Best Picture again. It's also nominated for visual effects. It is nominated for sound and also production design. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, this movie, uh, from a summary standpoint, this is the sequel to Avatar. It is like, I think, 13 year, maybe 15 years, something like that later on Pandora and uh, the humans have uh, come back to Pandora and are still fighting the Navi. Jake Sully, our hero from the first one now has a family. And basically the whole arc of the movie is him trying to protect his family. That's basically the whole story. He's trying to protect his family against the, uh, the humans who uh, have come uh, to disrupt the Navi and, uh, you know, search for, uh, ways of exploiting the planet. Um, I think it's super cool. I'll I'll start here. I I have a lot of feelings about this movie. I think it's super cool that we have like a blockbuster franchise. That's like about like saving the environment and stuff. I think that's really cool. I thought this movie ends in a very like military way, which was like kind of strange uh i wasn't expecting that like it's very gun heavy at the end um like jake selly is like literally carrying like an assault rifle uh and like we're like yeah go jake selly but that's just me personally i think the sequences of this movie where they're like in the water splashing around are incredible the 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 whale sequences they're like talking whales that they have relationships with are like it's awesome. I wish that the I would have done three hours of just that, of just them swimming around and hanging out with whales. I do think the action set pieces in this are incredible. James Cameron hasn't lost a step. It's amazing that he really hasn't had a miss as a director. Um, 
It's an incredible track record. It's his first serialized story that he's really told. He's 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 done sequels before, but this is like the first uh, story that he's like telling over the course of mm. multiple movies, which is interesting. interesting. Um, I also heard from another podcast I listened to that this is in a weird way the most personal story uh, uh, that uh, James Cameron has ever told because apparently in real life his kids once confronted him and were like you're a fucking asshole and like you need to be a better dad and he uh, like took his commitment as a father much seriously and so this is like weirdly kind of autobiographical about his experience of like becoming a better person and prioritizing his family. Um, there's a lot of weird choices in this movie. Like Sigourney Weaver is playing a teenager, which is like really fun and strange. Um, Very strange. I, I really liked this movie. Um, Matt, what did you think? Uh, yeah. You know, Cameron has talked about that. He's talked about how personal this not just this movie, but this series of movies. This is the second one he's planning to make at least five. I don't even know. Uh, several more. I, I think he's already shot at least one or two more. Um, you know, this is the way of water. I think he's doing, you know, they're doing the the other avatar, the airbender thing, fire, air. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. No spoilers. Um, but like the amount that he cares and puts into this movie is so obvious because it looks fucking outrageous and he's worked on it for a decade or more. And that all comes through. I, you know, you summed the movie up. It's pretty straightforward. He's trying to protect his family, which is a powerful story and, and works really well for parts of the movie. But again, it's 190 some minutes and not that much happens. Um, that's not true. Stuff happens, but the, the story is like very, it's just really straightforward. And, um, as like a spectacle, this movie was incredible. I, this was one I did get to see in theaters. I'm glad I did. It's the first movie I've seen in 3d and 10 years, maybe. Um, but I don't know that I'll see this movie again for a long time. That's kind of how I felt about it. Like, it was super entertaining. I loved it while I was there watching it, but it's not really a movie I have thought about much since. What about you, Mitch? Uh, I loved it. I loved this movie. I wasn't exactly sure if I would like, but I fucking loved it. And like to speak to like, I, to speak to so much about it, but the first, the last thing you said, Matt, about like not that much happening in the movie, I went to this movie in IMAX 3D mm -hmm. on a pretty strong weed edible. Oh, perfect. In, in order to spend time in Pandora. Yeah. Like I wanted yeah, to spend yeah, yeah. time on yeah. that planet and like check, check, check. Um, you know, so the fact that there wasn't a lot of like, there wasn't as much like war between the humans and the Navi didn't really bother me that much. I actually thought it was um, uh, better for that. There's something that happens in this movie. I don't know if it's a spoiler because it's really like the end of a very long act one where mm -hmm. basically uh, <laughs> they just like they're with the Navi. Uh, there's a war going on. And then Jake Sully is like, 
And we decided the reason that the humans keep attacking is because I'm there. So we left. Yeah. And <laughs> then they go on this whole adventure that has nothing to do with the conflict. And like, I thought that was such a cool thing to be able to pull off in a movie where like the central conflict of the first movie, he's just like, you know what? It would be better for all of the uh, like extras in this movie. All of those individual lives would be better off if the hero was not there. So we're just going to extract the hero and go with him and go do something else. And I thought that was pulled off in a really good way in a really hmm. uh, sort of compassionate way to the idea of like the lives of the Navi. I really liked it. That's, and then that's very interesting. I like that. Sweet. And then all of the family stuff. I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe the edible, but I like, I was hook, line and sinker. I was in just like watching this guy, like figure out how to be a dad, watching like the importance of family lessons. I, you know, some of the reason that I think I like this movie so much is like, I'm a, you know, uh, soft hearted lefty and like <laughs> the, the environmental, stuff about it mixed with like the uh community stuff mixed with the family stuff i just thought that like that this is you know one of if not the biggest movies of the year and it manages to be like exciting insane groundbreaking beautiful and have some of like the lessons that would normally be reserved for like a pixar movie yeah. like interspersed in this i just thought was really like ambitious i was so happy he pulled it off i was like you know emotionally with all of the peaks and valleys of it and um it went by so fast for me uh which I cannot say about like some of the other movies that are really long were great, but like you could feel the length of them. Yeah. This one I thought was just like really, I, I was just in from the beginning and I was in until the end. I loved it. Awesome. Uh, I'll save this for the spoiler cast, but he does a Titanic in this. He does another Titanic. Crazy. He did a whole nother Titanic. He did a whole nother Titanic. Um, and this, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. The it just looks incredible. Like we see a lot of it's movies. So fucking like, gorgeous. How many Marvel movies have we seen where it's like, oh, they threw this together. Like this action sequence looks like, you know, kind of like shit. Like this movie looks incredible. So whatever, you know, whatever story flaws or like nitpicks, like it's an incredible, incredible movie. And um. Yeah, it, it's it's cool that this kind of thing can still be nominated. Landscape photography, ten out of ten. All fake though. Yeah, all fake. Yeah, but yeah. hey, still beautiful. Uh, Mitch, you're gonna let's uh, give you the last point and then move on to number five. Just on the Sigourney Weaver bit. Oh my god! I so, didn't, such a crazy choice. I didn't know this going into the movie. Yeah, I like me purposefully stayed away from any information going into the movie, and it, it never really. It never bothered no. me. I was like, what's 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 with this? And like maybe for a second, I never put it together. And then when I saw the credits, and the first thing my friends who I saw it with were like, "That Sigourney Weaver shit was too much," and it was like, "Oh, I, I thought it I just, worked great. Yeah, I thought I, she was excellent. I thought she was great. I didn't know it was her. I, you know, it didn't it didn't bother me. I thought it was so cool, and and it was so um, it's so fun to imagine the set where Sigourney Weaver is just acting like a teenager." 
teenage Navi. And then she's actually side by side in real life with actual teenagers, but they're standing by side by side with like an Academy Award winning actor. So she could kind of, I don't know. I, it was just like such an interesting choice uh, as a director and story and actor. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Next year, let's compare that performance side by side with de-aged Indiana Jones. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm nervous about that movie. Uh, um, let's go to number five. Number five. None of us would be in this movie. Women Talking mm, mm-hmm, 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 by mm-hmm. Sarah Pauly. Mm-hmm. Yes, Women Talking. Sarah Pauly, I... It, was she... Who do no? She directed mind. and wrote the adaptation. Okay, yes, directed and wrote, and this is adapted from a novel. Is that right? Yes, okay. but based on right. true oh. uh, a true story. Yes, and I, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a good bit. Um, this movie's starring it has a, a hell of a cast: Rooney Mara, um, Jesse Buckley, Francis McDormand has a small part. Um, one of our shorter movies, maybe the shortest, 104 minutes. Mm. Oof, man, it just well done, flies, Sarah. Flies by. Well, well done, Sarah. It should be nominated for best editing. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Frank, do you want to synopse this, this one for us? This is uh, a content warning for sexual violence. This is a movie uh, about. Uh, based on a real story of a Mennonite colony in Bolivia where um, women were attacked in the night by men, uh, sexually uh, assaulted by men uh, in the night, and they were convinced that it was the acts of the devil or ghosts. And then they find out that it's not that and that it's actually the men of the town. The men of the town get sent away, and then the women the in the the title women talking have to decide what to do. That is the whole action of the movie is figuring out what to do now. Two choices. Do they want to stay and fight or do they want to leave? Is how they, yeah. I think, frame it for themselves. And, yeah. it's, and that- it's a big time. Sorry, Mitch, uh, just just real quick. It is a big time. If you are sensitive to sexual violence and stuff, I would say probably oh, yeah. stay away because they they don't get tough. Too, I mean, literally the first shot of the movie, you see something pretty. It's yeah, well, it's hard a, it's, to watch, yeah. um, but it's 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 a really good movie. I was really surprised by it in a lot of ways. Mitch, uh, tell us why it came in at number five for you. This is one where. I think the craft of making the movie outweighed whether it was fun to watch or not. Um, I thought it was just so incredibly well done. The way that the the narration ties everything together and just the... I, I For a movie that's basically a play... It is, where yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're all, you know, in, in this... In one location. Um, one location, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and All you know they, they go back there like three times. A lot of dialogue, a lot of like you know, it, it really you can look at it kind of like an ideas play where each one of these characters uh, represents one way to look at this issue, and you know, um, it it could be very much like trapped in that like, could this film have been a play? Uh, and 
you know, I'm sure it, it probably loses some people from how much just like talking it is, but I found it so compelling the entire time and the way that they do these very, very limited flashbacks, but for the most part, just give you a sense really of like how existential a thing this is that they're dealing with as real people the humanity just shines so through it and it's kind of uh hopeful in a way of how all of these mm-hmm. uh women like come to a conclusion and come to a consensus mm-hmm. while also like really hearing each other out in a a beautifully like empathetic community driven way and it's just like it, i'm sure if you haven't seen this movie, even like hearing this discussion about it, you're like, how, how is this a movie that is entertaining? And it just, it is the way that the way mm-hmm. that it's all put together from beginning to, I was riveted the entire movie. I totally the agree. Actors. The, the actors, actors are incredible. Yeah. Great performances in this movie. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Just, um, I, I also was thinking about, you know, a play as I was watching it, I feel like, you know, movies that are really dialogue heavy like this and it's in the title, right. Talking like that's often where my mind goes at least. And I, I did like the movie. Uh, I think I would have liked it more as a play, but I mean, seeing, you know, the film that, that they made of this story, like, the acting, I thought the acting was incredible. Like mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Mitch. It was well made. There were some like beautiful, not a ton of landscape photography, but some some beautiful photography in the movie. And a, a little bit, you know, they a little bit lands- they sprinkled some landscape. in for us. They yeah. sprinkled some in. Yeah. Some beautiful um, fields. A lot of great fields. fields. If you field want to see a good field or a dirt road, mm-hmm. definitely yes. check out this movie. Yeah. Big time. But um <sighs> Yeah, it was the acting for me. It was the people. Like, I thought Rooney Mara, you know, she wasn't so we, good. So we, fucking I, good. Talking about Michelle Williams and, and the other, like, God, she would have been a great lead actress nomination. She was, because there was a lot of good acting, but I feel like she, more than anyone else, because this, even though it takes place only 10, 12 years ago, the language in this movie is elevated and it doesn't, you know, for a movie that takes place in 2010, it doesn't sound like what we think of as kind of modern language. And she, I thought just had such a great handle on it. And, and there was such, I I don't know. I cared so much about her character and her relationship with the one kind of, uh, I guess the biggest male character, because the, the presence of men kind of hangs over the whole movie, but the, male character we spend the most time with is played by um by ben, ben winshaw yeah who i i placed about halfway through the movie yeah he's q in the most recent james bond movies but he's like the i think the school teacher who's taking minutes on the the meetings that these women are having to discuss all of this and he also has a relationship with Rooney mara's character who's one of the the central characters and i I don't know about you guys without getting into specifics about which way this goes, but I was like kind of terrified of his character, the whole movie. Oh, interesting. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was just the fact that he was the, 
the man who had the most screen time and men were such a threat throughout the movie that I was like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I found myself really tense around him and was getting big, like Norman Bates vibes. I, I wow. was just going to say Interesting. that. Interesting. Bates, yeah. right? You know what I'm talking about? I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't it was a great performance. Like, let me say that, but. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't experience this while watching the movie, aside from like the, yes, like the threat of men sure. throughout. But the second you started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, he is kind of Norman Batesy in this. Yeah. yeah. He's very um, like, um, and I got, I, that's, I love that, that performance. You know, that's from Psycho ages and ages ago. But yeah, he's just like kind of like this twitchy, guy who's sort of quiet and like seems non-threatening but i and it's kind of the position the movie puts you in and i think because when i was watching it at first i kind of at one point was thinking about like this movie might fall into the all quiet on on the western front zone for me of like i I, that's what i was worried about as well yeah very well made but i just can't really it's just i i can't get into it but um ultimately um i don't know it it was able to avoid that i think because it it still feels like a story that is worth telling whereas the horrors of war are something we've seen over and over and over again and the way that that movie made me think about that character ben wishaw's character I I thought it was like a really interesting thing that happened to me watching that film because, um, yeah, I you know it, talking about kind of where things go. Ultimately, that character is not a threat in the movie. Like he he proves to be good hearted, and I mean I felt at least like a um, an asset and someone who wanted to to help mm-hmm. these women and Absolutely. help them become safe and and made sacrifices to do that, but. Um, you know, that feeling of, of wondering, like, who is trustworthy, who is going to help these people who could hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it just made me think about things in a way that a movie like All Quiet didn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, like most of the movies we've talked about so far, didn't really get my gears turning either. Mm-hmm. There was also uh, a lot of levity in this movie. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, a just lot of laughs. Be- between the Surprising. women. Yeah. There's like some really good, just human moments. And I think part of the whole spectrum of humanity that they cover and that the performances all create so well is that like gallows humor of being able to laugh in a situation or finding a moment in between two people that's like not inherently funny but because of their relationship is and like those little moments of levity i think are what elevates it out of that uh like oh this is going to be grim territory yeah and then there's a scene where they all literally like laugh together for 60 seconds like they did they just all burst out laughing and it's not it's because of something that is gallows humor it's dark it's and it's such a beautiful moment. It's a great, in, great in moment. movie. Yeah. And one other thing that I think lifts it out of that uh sort of you know bleak zone of of all quiet is the runtime. Yeah. That it's yes. you know yes, it's almost an hour shorter. Yeah, it's you know, hour 40, something like that. Like, all right, you know, even if something's gonna be pretty grim for an hour 40, you can like 
watch it and digest it, but and move it, on. It, yeah. it becomes torturous at above two and a half. Hours. Like it's, you know, we've been over it, but I agree. Um, the runtime is like appropriate to the story that it's telling. I agree. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break and we will be back with the top four. And we are back. We are climbing up Mitch's movie mountain and we are getting close to the summit. We are uh, in the uh, in the, the upper echelons of the mountain. Right. Now. I wish I knew terminology for mountains, but we're at the know. echelon. Echelon, I think, is that's the that's technical good? term. OK, yeah. OK. Um, Mitch, what's at number four on Mitch's movie mountain? Oh, I don't know. I lost the list during the break. I have no idea. <laughs> I, uh, um, what can we, can we actually, can we review what we have, uh, ticked off so far? Yeah, sure. So at number 10, all quiet on the Western front, number nine, Elvis, number eight, Top Gun Maverick, number seven, the Fablemans, number six, Avatar, the way of water, number five, women talking. Yes, that is correct. Number four. Well, actually, before I say that, does anyone want to say what four movies are left for people? Uh, off the top of my head, we have Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, The Banshees of Inisherin, and... Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness, yes. Yeah, those are the four that are left. Yeah. Uh, yes. Number four is Tar, directed by Todd Wow, Field. wow, okay. Cool. Okay. Yes. Directed by Todd Field. Um, also written by Todd Field and starring Kate Blanchett. Um she's pretty good in this one. <laughs> there are there are other actors in the film and other other actors who are fantastic, but Kate Blanchett dominates this movie. It's, um yeah. She, in addition to Best Picture, of course, this uh this movie's also nominated for actress for her. Um cinematography uh todd field's direction is nominated editing screenplay um you know a lot of the the big categories todd um, field's the director his most recent directing credit before this was like an at&t i guess like corporate thing that's called at&t the power of and uh, which is just very funny. Uh, and then like had like other prestige stuff before that, but his, his IMDb yeah, page the, is pretty funny. It's the first movie he's directed in, I think 16 years. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's done a, a lot of commercials recently. I, I heard an interview with him, um, where someone was interviewing him and they were kind of like, like, so like, how come you haven't like, you know, like made, like directed in 16 years. Why the long break? And he's like, I've been directing. I've just been doing commercials yeah. and other stuff. And I've been, I've been writing films and they just haven't been getting picked up, but he's, he's probably going to get some stuff picked up after this movie. Cause it, so, uh, was very interesting. So uh, tar, another long one, another long one. How long is this one? Oh, Jesus. 158 minutes, I believe. So Tar is the story of fictional com conductor uh, Lydia Tar, who is the head of the Berlin uh, Symphony. And it is um, without spoiling too much. I think this is in the in the trailer and stuff, but it's sort of about her. 
efforts to record the final in a cycle of uh, uh, um, symphonic pieces that she's been recording. And during the course of that, it's sort of her, they get into some cancel culture stuff, some sexual stuff that maybe she was not on the right side of sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm there stopping are, there, there are, for our non-spoily yeah, listeners. There's allegations that she, you know, she's a very powerful person in her field. She is, um, you know, like you said, she's, she's conducting for this world famous orchestra and she, um, you know, just, it sort of, um, is unveiled as you get further and further into the film that there have been abuses of that power. It's very and, clear that there's like patterns that she, she has, um, this movie, I, I want to start, I want to, I want to hear why Mitch put it at four, but I just have to say real quick, Kate Blanchett in this movie is fucking out of this world, out of control. Like every fiber of her being is in this performance in a way that is so fucking cool to watch. Um, if she doesn't win, who cares? Uh, Michelle Yeoh deserves to win too. So I'm, I'm rooting for her. Um, she's so fucking good in this movie. Uh, this movie does not work without her. Um, Mitch, go right ahead. Yeah. I think Kate Blanchett is the best working actor right now. I think she's incredible. There's like, I can't think of who I would say is the second best. Um, Viola Davis. Oh yeah. And she, she actually, I think would be my number one, but yeah, I agree. I think like her Blanchett, like there's, Blanchett is on fucking fire. She's like God level in this movie. Yeah, she is so good from beginning to end. And just the way that the character, you know, just the character arc is is phenomenal. Um, and it's it's incredible. It's uh it's very um uh, you know, it's a provocative movie mm-hmm. about sort of all of the things that we're struggling uh, with in our culture right now. Um, not all of them, but um, a lot of like the power dynamic stuff of, um, you know, if you're great at something, can you be an asshole? Is that okay? You know, if you're an elder teacher, can you have a relationship with a younger person who you are teaching who is still a consenting adult? Um, you know, all of these things that uh we're talking about in society mostly about men as the um you know avatars of these things are is being looked at from the point of this like very powerful lesbian um and it's fucking great and uh yeah compelling and i don't know it's um yeah I wrote down a lot of uh, notes during this movie. Um, there's a lot of like cool. Um, there's a lot of things that we're going to get to in a spoilery section here, but I think there's like um, a lot of ideas. So one of the first sequences of the movie, she's in this like classroom at Juilliard and she's teaching this classroom. And there's a, a character who's like a, 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 a person of color who identifies as pansexual and who says, you know, basically he's not interested in the old uh, white men um, uh, composers and, Uh, and, and she sort of like 
scoffs at that and she says uh, something along the lines of like reducing people to their gender or other characteristics can lead to your own dismissal. Um, and I, I was like, so it has some like interesting commentary on what on cancel culture and stuff while also chronicling somebody who, de- who <laughs> it seems like we don't really get the full story, but it seems like is very justifiably sort of facing consequences of her actions. I feel like we need to get into the spoilery section now um, because there's a big shift in this movie. Um, yeah. After she uh, takes a fall, she follows her student into a building. She falls down and sort of injures her face and things kind of shift after that. And she, before then we, we know that she's hearing things. She's hearing screaming She's waking up in the middle of the night and finding metronomes going um, and uh, things over the course of the rest of the movie after she takes that fall sort of like accelerate in like sort of their dream like almost like surreal and her downfall really accelerates a lot uh, as well. See this. um this is what makes this movie so interesting to me. And I I'll say I have really been grappling with whether my favorite movie out of this bunch is this or everything everywhere all at once, which we are still going to get to, but it's for me, this field, it's those two movies and then everything else. Um, And what I think is so cool about this movie, when you were recapping it, Frank, you said at one point, like, um, that it was that it was obvious that she is a bad person or has whatever else. And and what's so cool about this movie is that nothing is really that obvious. Like, because I, I felt that way watching it too. Like in that scene at Juilliard, which is pretty early in the movie, it's this incredible like ten minute one take scene. Um, and and from that point, I was very much like this is a a bad person. She humiliates this person who is her student. Um, and you know, it's the kind of thing where she, there are things she says in those monologues that I agree with, but she just goes so far and, and there's just so many moments where it's clear. She feels she can do whatever she wants without consequence. And, but it it never really shows you the worst of what she is accused of. It leaves you, you know, when when her eventual, except for like the emails and stuff. We we see the do, emails. We see you, they you, definitely hint. Sebastian accuses her of some sort of pattern of abuse of favoring young women and yeah. promoting them without I, cause. Yeah, and and and. I, yeah, don't let me just like write things off. Cause it's, that's not what I mean. It, I, I just think the movie has such a, a good amount of ambiguity, mm-hmm. like in, yeah, in for her, sure. scenes, her scenes courting and grooming this young cellist, which, you know, a good chunk of the second half of the movie is sort of centered around her. And it's, it's the closest we ever see to her you know, doing these things that she is being accused of, but she has these scenes of taking this woman under her wing and um, favoring her and helping her in ways, but the movie never shows you 
more than like a touch on the shoulder. It, it, you know, it's, it's kind of unclear, like whether they have a physical relationship or not. I, I didn't think so. I don't think they do. Yeah. I, I don't either, but I think there are ways you could watch. I think the movie leaves a lot open to interpretation in a way that is really to its benefit. It's really amazing. Uh, and with that stuff, with those scenes, with that cellist, you see her. You see her actually smitten with this yes. cellist, which is who's yeah. incredibly not, talented. You yeah, get to it, see the actor playing the cello and it's, yeah, it's amazing, and it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And like, of course, this movie doesn't like, you know, excuse uh, grooming. But what you do see is a whole portrait of a person who like has power, becomes smitten, probably understands that it's bad to pursue Mm -hmm. that, but doesn't have enough self-control to like, not to while actually like having a crush on this other person. And it manages to show this full picture of Blanchett's character without for a second endorsing what she's doing. And with those emails and stuff showing what the really horrific real life consequences can be to her getting into something like that and then trying to cover it up because she realizes that like, Oh shit, this would get me canceled basically Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, a word I hate by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, so like it's, it's, it's a really, really compelling portrait of a person who like, yeah, like is pretty fucked up. Um, but the movie presents her as such a full human that like it's not a reactionary film. This isn't mm-hmm. a film that's like no no you She's a good can't. mother to her daughter. She's she she is um thoughtful and considered about her work. She is um yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's a very and interesting portrait of a, this character. And that's what I think works so well about the movie because it's not it's not the first movie or tv show or or book from the last you know five or so years to really grapple with like me too and and the moment that is still sort of ongoing of you know what do we do with people in power who abuse that power and when we find out things that you know are worse than we even thought they might be how do we react to that how do you grapple with someone who is a great artist versus what that person may have done in that scene at Juilliard, the kid says, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Bach fathered 20 children. And, you know, it's, I thought about that while I was watching women talking, actually, like what, what does, and I think actually Blanchett, one of her retorts is like, well, it was with two wives or it was with two women. Like, what is that? what does that do to someone to, to give birth to 10 children? And like, what kind of, I don't know, like you, you just start to think about all of those things and the movie just, it, it does such a good job of, of giving you stuff to chew on without giving you hard answers or easy outs. It makes you really think about things. And I I've heard it kind of called like a Rorschach test. And I, I think that's sort of right in that if you are, you know, I guess like left leaning, it's easy to look at this and be like, she is a monster. She is the worst 
person and like ever and and she's evil and and that is like when i watched the movie that was kind of how i felt but i think you can also watch the movie and be like she's being accused of these things without proof and you know what like whatever else that argument is i i, I don't know i i just was really impressed and I, i've thought about this movie after seeing it more than any of these other movies yeah and and what do you do with someone who has all of the people who she looks to in her field. It's so awesome that Todd Field picked um, uh, classical music because it is the, you know, the, the most sort of like aristocratic white male European thing that you could possibly choose as far as like, where are all of the idols? Right. And so she's looking at this past, even her own like professors and her own mentors, she's looking at them and has this like everything that they did was worse than what I did. I am the progressive yes. one here. And then yeah. there's the kid at Juilliard who looks at mm-hmm. what she's doing and is like, this is a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the progressive ones here. Mm-hmm. And like all of all of that is done without endorsing anything that she does in the movie. It's just so, I like the idea that it's a Rorschach test. It's just so complex. And like, you know, I think uh, of all of the movies, this is probably going to be one of the ones that has the most like interesting rewatch value throughout Mm -hmm. time. What is this movie going to mean to people in three years in five years in 10, 20 years, a couple, a couple quick things. And then we should move on. Um, I did a bit of reading last night and Krista Taylor, like the the student who this is for the spoiler cast who dies by suicide in the movie. She her shadow is like in scenes like there are stills that I saw after like she's like in her house when she wakes up in the middle of the night. She's like in the back, like standing by the piano and like, it's really cool. Terrifying. It is. It's very terrifying, but it's really cool that that's there. I have to ask you guys about the end of the movie, um, oh, the last scene of this movie, and and then we have to move on. We can't spend too much time on it, but I hated the last scene of this movie. I oh, thought it was really? such a fucking cop out. I thought it was, oh, cool. I didn't wow. understand it. I had to look up what it was. Uh, yeah. And then when I learned what it was, I was like, this is dumb. What is this? So the, the we the can't last... spend too much time on it, but I just got to yeah. get quickly. Last get scene, your thoughts last... on this. Last scene of the movie after Lydia Tarr's kind of downfall, we see her like preparing for this new job in like a Southeast Asian country. And the last scene in the film, she like is conducting this orchestra as we've seen her do many times. But as she starts to conduct, like screens fall behind them and video starts to play. And then the camera pans to the audience and it's all these like cosplayers and people in costume. And I think the the meaning of it is that she is directing like a um you know like a concert you would go to that's like like a video game concert or a movie concert one of those I, it's a specific one I don't remember the name of it I think it's Monster Hunter I think Yeah but yeah. I what I took it as and I you know it it is very disorienting and I I have definitely had the feeling of like that made no sense to me and what like what are they trying to say i i didn't feel that way so much though with this i thought it was really 
funny, like, and, and weird, a weird weird. choice, but I, I thought it was like, again, like kind of interesting because it, you know, is sort of, I think for her, you know, we, we talked about the classical field and how elitist it is. I think it's kind of a humiliation for her, but also like, she's still doing her thing. Like she got, you know, she got quote unquote torn down or canceled or whatever else, but she's working and making money. And like, there is maybe a road back for her to relevance and to esteem. So I, I thought it was interesting, but I, I can see how it would be like disorienting or off-putting when you see it. Uh, yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you just said, Matt. Um, to me, to, to me, uh, not to uh, sound like a, an asshole here, but I didn't I didn't find it confusing <laughs> at all um, <laughs> because to me, it was so clear what they were doing was like, you know, OK, Roman Polanski can't make movies in the States anymore. Where is he going? Mm, OK, yeah. Steven Seagal is making these yeah, I got that. action movies in Russia. And this was just the most sort of Louis like, C.K. is underground wherever. Yeah, all, all that shit. And, and then, of course, now he's selling out Madison Square Garden again. But like you what you see is her sort of like taking the ego hit and just like making making the art and making a living where she can and it it is the starkest contrast between the world of classical music and her pretensions to to what she's actually doing which is you know still doing that but like in in an absurd least pretentious space possible i i buy Um, that i I buy that i will say though frank you mentioned the the dreamlike quality of the end of the movie and I felt that too. And because of that, that last scene, like I I definitely had a moment of like, why are these people animals and monsters? And like, is this a dream? Like is so it, uh, the movie had me off balance. It's just very abrupt. It it felt like such a weird note to end it on, but that just for me, yeah. Um, We got to move on. We got to get, we, we spent um, uh, so much time talking about tar, but now we got to talk about number three. Let's go. Here we go. Number three, The Banshees of Inisherin oh, by Martin yes. McDonough. Oh, Martin oh, McDonough. Oh, 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 The Banshees of Inisherin, directed by Martin McDonough, but also written by him. The starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, and Barry Keoghan. Uh, this movie's nominated for ooh, a number of Academy Awards. Sorry, y'all. It's getting it's getting late in the day. Um, Banshees is nominated for four acting awards. Uh, Colin Farrell for leading role, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and also um, Barry Condon. What is? How do you pronounce his name? Barry Condon. Oh no! I, I, I isn't Carrie Condon nominated? Oh, Car- sorry, Carrie yeah. Condon. Uh, and Bear, Barry- I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yes, he uh, played so, the Joker in the new Batman movie. Spoiler I believe it's movie. Barry Keegan. Yes, I think you're right. Keegan. I think you're right. Okay. But basically, all four of the principal characters in the movie—they're all nominated. It's also nominated for directing, editing, score, original screenplay, and best picture. Um, more nominations than everything except for one film that we still have to get to. Uh, the two sentence summary of this film is, uh, Colin Farrell's character 
is uh, friends with um, uh, the other guy's character, Brendan Gleeson's character. And Brendan Gleeson one day basically tells him that he doesn't like him anymore. He doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. He doesn't want to speak to him ever again. And it's all about the tension and the fallout of that decision and sort of understanding why he made that decision. And yeah, that's that's the plot of the movie in two sentences. I really liked this movie too, Mitch. I... Uh, the landscape photography in this movie is a 10 out of 10. Fucking Ooh. Ireland looks so fucking beautiful. Ireland is undefeated for landscape photography. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. It is so charming. It's so fucking charming. I loved the like Irishisms that are in there, like the how do. And then um, uh, uh, Barry's, Barry Keegan's character says, I'm again, I'm wars and soap. Uh, you know, there's just like a lot of funny, like little lines like that. Um, there's a donkey. We'll get to the rest of the donkey stuff later, but there's just Oof. a donkey who's a very charming character in this, uh, movie. I, I, yeah. I was so taken in by the charm of this movie at the beginning and we'll get to the spoilery section in a second, but, uh, Mitch, why did this movie come in at number three for you? All right. So, uh, full disclosure, Martin McDonough is one of my guys. I'm going to like what this mm. guy makes. Agreed. Um, I, I think he's great. I am like, you know, my sense of humor very much aligns with the stuff, like the dark humor in his films. I just like, I, I am, you know, one of the target audience of this movie. Um, in addition to like my predilection to like Martin McDonough and, uh, uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, who were together in um, in Bruges, uh, in Bruges, which, which is he also incredible. did. Fucking great movie! So good to see these guys working together again. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that I love about it that I and I love watching people explore is, uh, you know, something that Tar also explores a little bit is the importance of being good versus the importance of leaving something great. And yep. the way that it was yes. looked at in 100%. this, in this uh, movie in a completely non-pretentious way of just these two guys and one of them is a good, simple guy and the other one wants to be a great musician and feels like the uh, relationship he has with a guy who just wants to bullshit all the time, like takes him away from his art and you just get this exploration of like, what's it all about? You know, is it about being good to the people in your life and, 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 and fostering relationships and being what you leave just the good, the good, the goodness of you on others that will then go towards others or is life about leaving something behind that, you know, uh, says something like this and podcast, like this we're going to yeah, pass this exactly. down to our grandchildren. Like, you know? what is, yeah. what is, is it more important for me to record this podcast or to spend time with, with my wife? wife? Shout out Kira. Yeah. yeah. She's upstairs. Wait. Hi Kira. Uh, waiting <laughs> which, for us to finish. Which and reminds clearly, me, I really have to go. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, you know, it, it is, it's, it's what makes the movie interesting. It, it does ask 100%. that question. He, Colin Farrell, um, I think it's, he has a conversation. So Carrie Condon plays, Colin Farrell's sister and I think Farrell maybe he brings it up to to Gleason to his friend in one of the scenes where he's like that like what she has done for me matters like that is meaningful to me that relationship I have with her means more to me um 
And I, you know, I, I kind of fall on that end of things, but it is an interesting thing. I also made that kind of comparison in my head to tar of like, what is, what is art worth? Like, and you know, being nice we, versus being remembered, being nice yeah. versus being remembered. And, you know, as you've sort of alluded to Frank, the, the spoilers and, and kind of how this film unfolds and how it escalates because it boy does it escalate sure does Um, you know it's it's a a pretty talky movie like women talking it very much feels like it could be a play Mm -hmm. at least for parts of it um and then it 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 just escalates and it, it becomes violent at times it becomes pretty intense and and yeah you really have to ask yourself at a point like what is art worth mm-hmm. and that's that's a question tar asked in a different way but it's it's kind of like a recurring thing fableman's asked that question too mm-hmm. yeah so that that theme of and and early on i mentioned something about the um there are some movies that are like uh smaller movies kind of masquerading as larger movies and i think uh the fableman's that that art versus family thing in there, you know, in a Steven Spielberg movie, it being about this very personal question. Uh, same with with Tar, same with uh, Banshees, which is, you know, uh, seems like it's almost going to be a broad comedy at the start, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it is far from it. And um, but these movies as a theme, asking that question, I really liked about this batch of. Batch of I also thought it was very interesting to to see a movie. Obviously, this is a very male dominated movie, and that's that's a part of the story, uh, too. But and, you know, uh, we should see more uh, movies like Women Talking, where it's just about uh, female relationships. But I thought that this movie had a lot of interesting things to say about male friendship that I haven't seen in other movies. And that really resonated. Not, not the way it actually plays out. But just like what it had to what the ideas that it it was exploring and like the way relationships change and stuff like that. I I really found it made me very emotional in a lot of ways, even without talking about like the violence or the the way things heighten, like just the premise of the movie. And Colin Farrell is kind of a dumbass and seeing him like struggle with Brendan Gleeson's like, frankly, very selfish and um poorly executed plan of uh, creating his art, very, very heartless act. Um, It just made me so fucking sad to imagine like what that would be like if one of you guys, you know, had made that decision to me. And like at times in my life where I felt like blocked out from friends' lives or something and, 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 and what that does to you emotionally and the the way that feels um how sad it makes you especially how isolated he is on that island i i I just found it very moving um and yeah and the part of that is the acting i think the acting in this movie top to bottom is incredible yeah Uh, colin farrell is amazing he's so good he's so good who do you guys think is gonna win best actor who are the nominees has anyone seen the whale? I know it's it's no. Farrell, Austin Butler, who was in Elvis. Um, 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 um <laughs> I want to say Brendan Gleeson, Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a, a a few others, but I I don't know. I guess just like watching this movie, Farrell, 
Can you think of another male performer who you think gave a better lead performance this year? We haven't talked about him yet, but uh, is Kiwi Kwan, is he, is he nominated in this category he, or is he supporting? Uh, he's in supporting. He's so he's, fucking you know, it's, good. It's funny. I, he, I asked myself this question. He was the first person I thought of too, but yeah, he's in He's supporting. so fucking good in that movie. We'll get to that in a second. But what do you think, Mitch? Yeah. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's hard to argue with the Austin Butler performance just because of all of the physical stuff he does. But I was so moved by every aspect of this Colin Farrell performance. I would give it to Agreed. him. I just thought it was just incredible. Just the just just the the sort of ever present sadness and hope in his eyes uh, was astounding. I totally agree, especially how now we're getting into spoiler country. The end of this movie is very fucking sad. It is a very fucking sad movie. And Colin Farrell has pretty much um, totally um, his heart has frozen over, basically, because his donkey has died. Um, His beloved pet donkey. Brutal. Rough scene. And he meets Brendan Gleeson on the on the beach and basically is like, no, I'm never going to be your friend again. That's never going to change. I'm never interested in being your friend ever. And I think it's a good thing that that's never going to change. And that's the end of the movie. It's... I disagree. I oh. disagree completely. What do you, Sorry what do you disagree you with? No, no, no. What do you disagree with? He says all that. Ah. And then Brendan Gleeson is like, thanks for taking care of my dog while you burned my house down. And Colin Farrell says, and I think really means, yeah, I'll watch the dog anytime. Yeah. And so you can say all of that I see. stuff. I see. But I think that friendship never fully ruptures and they have that's a interesting. Better understanding of each other now moving forward. Mm. And that relationship is going to continue uh to evolve. And it's a li- it's a lifelong friendship that is going to have another chapter. That's very if interesting. only in good deeds to each other. That's very um, interesting. So I actually found, yes, it gets very sad. I actually found the very end of that movie um, to be uh, a, a hopeful. Interesting. I was fucking weeping. <laughs> Yo, it's sad. It made me very, very, very fucking sad. Um, do we have any closing thoughts on the Banshees of Inisherin? I loved this movie as well, Mitch. I know Matt, it wasn't your favorite movie, but um, do do you want to speak yeah. to that real quick, and then and then we can move I, on to number two? I didn't like it quite as much as you guys. I um, yeah, I I, I just wasn't as invested. Brendan Gleeson uh, held it back a little bit for me. I I I had a little bit of a block of just not being able to understand why his character was so extreme. And I I thought like his, the, the idea of like, I want to leave something behind was interesting, but something in either the writing or the performance, I didn't like just totally just get why he was willing to go so far. Um, Fair enough. So that, that held it back a little bit for me. Um, but I mean, I, I think what you guys have said is true. I, I agree that centering like a male friendship relationship is really cool. I think also sibling relationship, brother, sister. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, that's a, a film that we ha- haven't been able to talk about cause it's not nominated for anything, but Nope is a movie that I really, really love the Jordan Peele movie for the same reason. It centers the sibling relationship. So I liked that Banshees did that and it, it, 
kind of focused on these interpersonal relationships, beautiful landscape photography. I just, <laughs> I just, I just like the other movies more. Ultimately. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's move on to number two. Number oh, 114, 114 minutes, by the way. For nice. Banshees. Nice. So, Very respectful. Nice. 114 minutes. Thank you, editor yeah, of Banshees and the Sheriff. Very respectful. Yeah. All right. This one I know is long. Number two, Triangle of Sadness. Wow. Directed by Ruben Ostland. Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, also written by Ruben Ostland. This uh, film stars uh, Harris Dickinson. And I think her name is Charlby Dean, or maybe I have the wrong. No, that's right. Um, is that right? Okay. As, as a couple that's dating, um, it's an ensemble cast. The, the most famous actor is Woody Harrelson, who has a kind of a smaller supporting role, but this movie clocks in at a 147 minutes. So, um, you know, with the exception, exception of Banshees and I guess women talking, that's sort of the range we've been in, uh, for most of the pod. And then as far as nominations, I mean, this film is up for a good amount of stuff. Um, uh, actually, ultimately, I guess less than most, cause this is up for best picture. It is up for screenplay. Um, and I think that's it actually. Let me just confirm that. Uh, I think it's actually also up for international feature. This movie is about, uh, two models. Uh, one is an influencer. One is a sort of traditional runway model, uh, who end up on a, uh, private yacht and, uh, and things start to go wrong. I don't, I won't, I won't go too far into it, but, but that's do go wrong. This is also kind of a white Lotus, uh, situation too, where it's like rich people. It's a, it's a sort of satire of, uh, wealth and, and status Mm -hmm. and class. Um, we've gotten gotten a lot of those recently. We have uh, in the last, last several years. We, I, I, I have it here just to, to, put a pin in it best picture best director best original screenplay ah, and i i thought the screenplay i mean all, yeah the direction was great too i loved the writing in this movie the opening where you kind of meet these two characters who are in a relationship it felt like great it felt like tarantino writing to me like did you guys feel that like i don't know just like these long scenes that were very felt like very like realistic dialogue. This movie, there's only a few of these movies that really take place in the present. Tar is another one. And this movie, even though it doesn't take place in America, felt like this is how people talk. Like people are looking at their phones and like, just like the, it it was able to capture the like rhythms of contemporary dialogue in a way that made me think of Tarantino in the nineties. Well, I guess it also made me think of very different subject. It made me think of Tarantino too, because they all had swords and chopped each other's heads off. And, um, it was was called kill bill too. Yeah. Am I misremembering the movie? No, you got it. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you were, Mitch, you were... what, why is this your number two? Because I feel like well, 
I don't want to say this, this is, is controversial, there. but it's a bit of a hot take to have Triangle of Sadness. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I, Mitch, I thought this was going to be your number one movie. It's, I, I'm, it, a, I'm a bit surprised. I'll be honest. I, I feel like I feel like it is. Um, I don't know. T- tell me. Tell me why you love this movie. I, I really liked this movie, too. Tell me why you loved it. Well, to to follow up on what you were saying, Matt, about like the dialogue, that scene in the beginning where they're arguing about money is and so who good and, and who pays. Yeah. And then they're they're in the elevator shouting at each other, the door fucking like, fake I thought, feminist. Yeah, yeah, that was it's, yeah. So it's like good. it's it's not a scene. It's like three scenes back yeah. to back to back that they're arguing about money. Like right, it just but it, it has the cadence on. of a real argument. Where yeah. like they've never talked about this, and all of a sudden it's like they can't talk about anything else. Um, so I loved this movie because I thought it was the best, most unflinching take of the whole like class warfare bunch of all of it. But I thought it covered a few things really, really well. It covered um, what do we value in society and how. On who who do we value? Yeah, who do we value? Like that was covered really well. What was covered well also was just like the egregious, excuse me, the egregious, disgusting um, excess and wealth of this cruise. And so very disgusting what the back end of it looks like and that everything turns to shit. Yeah, (laughs) it um, it is one of the funniest. Uh, this this might be a spoiler. This is one of the funniest shipwreck scenes that I've ever yes, seen. Yes, yes, for um, sure. And yeah. it also something that just like catapults this above all of the all the other ones except for one for me uh, is the scene where basically it's the best podcast scene ever. Uh, put on film where it's Woody Harrelson as the captain. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. in the America- captain's quarters. Yeah. yeah, he's an American communist, and there's another guy who's a Russian capitalist who's like got rich from selling uh, uh, fertilizer. fertilizer. Yeah, yeah, and literally shit. Yes, they are. I sell shit. They, they're like blackout drunk in the captain's quarters arguing the philosophical points of marxism versus uh capitalism uh like quoting ronald reagan and marx yeah yeah yeah, over the loudspeaker and they're doing this while the ship is going through a a storm that's probably going to make it flip like flip make the ship flip and um as basically everything is literally going to shit around them, they're having this meaningless philosophical argument over a loudspeaker and forcing everybody to hear it. So if you're going through something bad in your life and you're listening to this podcast, it's basically the dramatized version of that. <laughs> um, and but I just thought the the way that the way that it shows just sort of like the meaninglessness of almost everything that uh we value the meaninglessness of that that has until you really need stuff and then it's like okay wait a minute what's important let's go back to basics and then what happens if that structure is threatened um and the three acts of this movie the uh the, the sort of the relationship the boat and then I don't know if it's a spoiler because it's the whole third act of the movie, but the, everything that happens on the island when a small group of survivors um, 
is is on that island are such three different like paradigms uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and each one of them has so much to say about this like weird fucked up fake world that we've created uh while keeping the relationships while a little bit cartoony pretty realistic so i just i was super entertained by it i thought it was very very funny there were times that it was actually like surprising and Mm -hmm. the um the sort of like some some of like the hard r gross out comedy stuff that happens like in a movie that you have no reason to believe that's where the movie's going um is just like so it was it tickled me it was so delightful to me and i saw it in the theater and there were times where i was one of i think mm. i was the only person laughing at times <laughs> um but it just like I, this isn't going to be most people's number 2 of the year uh, as far as these these nominated movies go but it was mine that's it's a funny it's a funny movie and it's 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 very surprising this and and your top movie i think these are the two funniest and like the two probably most surprising movies on the slate. Cause yeah, this movie, you, you never really know where it's going to go. It doesn't let you get too comfortable. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. Uh, the end of this movie is very, this is another movie that, that had me like thinking and sat with me for a little while after I watched it. Um, so I, I don't have it ranked this high. It is in my top, like I would say half, like top five, but I, I see it. I get it. This was a, a cool movie to watch it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, 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 it stood out. It felt very unique. You were talking also- Matt, about like movies that are like of this time. Like you were saying that tar yes. and everything everywhere all at once, not to spoil, and I, but is, is like very of this time. I think triangle of sadness is also very yes. of 2022. Like this is a movie about what I, what's going on in 2022. It's what I, I, I sort of uh, mentioned it earlier and this is a, a bigger conversation, but yeah, there's this trend of it's like, we're afraid to kind of, And I think between the pandemic and the last, you know, so many years, the Trump presidency, there's this like time that people are maybe a little afraid to grapple with. So we have so many stories that don't happen in the present day that it's actually kind of refreshing when you see something like this, that is like, yes, like this, they talk about the pandemic Mm, and yeah. Not and, and not just literally placing it in 2022, but just the themes that it has. Mm-hmm. Again, Tar is like this too. Like this is a movie that is about us right now. It's not about the multiverse, for example. Um, although that movie that we're about to talk about kind of manages to be about that and about us right now, which is yes. what's so incredible about it. But um, you know, unlike the multiversal movies of marvel or these other comic book movies this movie is very it just just gives you something interesting to think about it gives you a mirror to look into and be like huh like this is this is kind of who we are right now and and what we're like and i think this is a movie that if you watch in 10 years it's like yeah that's that's kind of what the early 2020s were i mean maybe not literally but Um, like those kinds of people and those archetypes were a big part of 
you know, how we relate to the world and what we think about the rich and powerful in our world. Mitch, do you have any closing thoughts on Triangle of Sadness? Yeah, I do. I don't not to to bring it down. I do just want to mention uh, Charles B. Dean, who was so good in this movie as uh, the, uh, the woman in the relationship. This model, this Instagram influencer, uh, died right after they filmed it. Oh my god! Right. I didn't know that. Uh, yes. Holy shit! Yeah. Yes. What she, what happened? She she, I... she she died as a result of an act like a basically a car accident she got into as a child and just whatever the bodily trauma was was an absolute freak thing i I don't want to get into it because i don't know the full details of it but just want to mention that she was like so good in this movie. she's great she's great in the movie i think that like uh you know it's a real tragedy because she would have had like an amazing career after this uh and also just a, a life that didn't get to be lived um so i just wanted to mention that yeah Thank you for doing that. Um, okay. And let's go to number one on Mitch's movie mountain. Number one, everything, everywhere, all at once directed by the Daniels. Yes. Which is Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, Skynert. Um, they also wrote the movie together. Their directing team goes by Daniels. Very cute. Um, talk about platonic male friendship. Uh, this movie is 139 minutes um, long, but that's like a regular long movie, not not Elvis length. Um, and this is nominated for more categories than anything else. Uh, 11 nominations, which sounds like a, a ton, but uh, basically all of the principal actors uh, including Michelle Yeoh as a lead, um, three supporting nominations, costume design, directing, editing, score, uh, original song, original screenplay, uh, just uh, a powerhouse of a movie. And and I'm with you, Mitch. Like, this is a hell of a movie. Frank, good luck trying this, to yeah. synopse this movie. This I is going to be tough. But this is a movie about a woman who owns a laundromat and her family as she realizes that she is at the um, uh, in the center of a um, multi-universe drama involving a a sort of cosmic uh, enemy. And she, I don't, she has to learn how to navigate multiple different realities at the same time while fighting to hang on to herself and her reality and her, most importantly, her family. Uh, That's pretty good. That's a pretty good job you just did. Thank you. This is one of my favorite films of all time. I, the first time I watched this, I walked out of the theater knowing that this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, I saw it twice in theaters. I love this movie. I also have been very hesitant to like proselytize about this movie because I feel like it's not for everybody. Um, It's a very weird movie. It's a very um, complicated movie. It's a very overwhelming movie. Um, I feel like it's very saturated. I weeped. I, 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 I sobbed 
multiple times while watching this movie. It is so beautiful and powerful. Um, it is um, sad. It is. It is. Uh, it's a love Funny. story. It's about a. It's hilarious. It is about a mother daughter relationship in a very big way. Um, incredible performances from the ensemble, which includes Jamie Lee Curtis, who's incredible in it. Michelle Yeoh is the lead who we've mentioned a lot. She's incredible. The male lead in this uh, is incredible. The, the just every the the performer who plays the daughter is incredible. Yeah. And she's relatively this is like kind of her first credit. She's incredible. This movie is so good, so um committed to a sort of like lo- lo-fi aesthetic while also very um clearly telling a story that is so fucking complicated and way more um intense and and um uh, uh nuanced than any other multiverse story which to be honest I'm just not that interested in hearing about um but finds a way to make it human and compelling um, in a way that is, um, I don't know. It's a startling movie. It's a movie that I feel like I will come back to for years. It's a movie where I want to own the screenplay. I want to like learn more about the production history of this movie. I feel like this is a, a super risky movie. I am shocked that it is performing this well in the awards, uh, cycle. It's, 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 I I could see a lot of people being really put off by this movie and not liking it. Um, I love it. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I, I, Frank, thank you. Cause I, I agree with, with so much of what you said. Um, And I think, you know, I mentioned this has more nominations than any other movie. And we've talked very little about like prognosticating or what we think will win or what we, what should win, whatever else. It as we're recording this, my understanding is that this movie has a pretty good chance of actually winning and the number of nominations, you know, seems to back that up. But I feel like whenever I like hear people talk about the Oscars or read stuff about the Oscars, this movie is kind of just slotted into like, oh, yeah, that's the favorite. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it's because it came out a year ago, but I feel like um, the conversation about this movie as I've heard it has gotten sucked into like the Oscars bubble of like what's going to win and all this other stuff. And the conversation about the movie and about how crazy it is and how affecting it is. Um, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I think it's, I'm really excited, Mitch, that this is at the top for you. I knew Frank loved this movie. I love this movie. Um, I, when I first heard about it, I very much was like, wow, multiverse, please like put a, I I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not interested. This is move. What the fuck is happening to movies? Like I saw the trailer for this movie and was like, ugh. and then it came out and word of mouth. I just heard from a few people that it was like good and not just good, but like, holy shit, go see this movie. Important. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it manages to be way more creative than all of these other movies that are playing with multiversal storytelling, which another thing that like, if we take a step back and look at ourselves, like, why are we so obsessed with going to different universes? Right. Like, why is this the sort of like storytelling myth that keeps recurring right now? But anyways, 
dabbles in all of that stuff and is as crazy as it wants to be while still having such a strong emotional center. And it's, it's because of, it's because of the entire ensemble mainly, or starting with at least Michelle Yeoh, cause she is sort of at the center of everything. Um, and God, it's, it's just such a, a beautiful movie. Yeah. Like mother, daughter, but also, um, you know, spouse. It's a movie about divorce. Like, it's a movie it's, about hot dog fingers. It's an, it's a it's movie a about movie hot dog fingers. About hot dog it's fingers. It's a movie about a raccoonie. It's, it's a, a movie, movie about, about a lot of things. It's a movie about rocks with googly eyes on them. Um, and all that stuff, like the, I mean, the hot dog fingers, actually the, the, the moment that I realized I absolutely was like blown away by this movie was when I realized I was watching characters on a screen who had hot dogs for fingers yeah. and i was like crying because it's i like was so emotionally beautiful uh, yes. yeah like and so the fact that this movie got me to a point yes yes where, like that image on that screen had such an important like emotional effect on me i was like well this movie can do anything this movie is the one of the best magic tricks i've ever seen yeah um because all of the silliness of it and all of the sort of like, um, uh, uh, you know, so much going on at once. I, you know, I was going to say like ADD-ness of it, but mm -hmm. actually one of the Daniels actually has ADD, which is one of like the, oh, yeah. the, you know, if you look these guys up, like it's a really cool story, but like all of the stuff that's going on in this movie everything everywhere all at once the way that it comes together and hits at in in by doing something that can be seen and taken in as so silly for most of the movie the emotional punches that it manages to to land are so effective and it has you thinking about all of these different important things you know uh, uh family acceptance mm -hmm. heritage mm -hmm. um uh choices in your life that you know like that sort of fork in the road should i get married right. yeah, to this yeah. person or should right. i take this right. job or whatever yeah and then like you know uh how do you process regret how do you process moving from where you are now what do you do can you see those as clear choices or are you stuck in the pattern that you've been in? And, you know, all of this stuff is talked about in a way that is like, to me, bar none, one of the most like, I mean, the most entertaining movie of the year. Mm -hmm. So that all of this yeah. stuff gets in while having such a good time throughout. It's like, well, that's definitely that's definitely number one. I totally agree. This movie is also like kind of a miracle. It, it, it they I can't remember the exact production history timeline here, but they only had like something like 30 days to shoot the entire thing. And like, that's all the time they had the actors for. So it was like an incredibly disciplined set, but like everybody believed in what they were doing. They were fully committed to this like very strange idea, you know, this like low tech, but very high sci-fi um idea um i think it is a huge um uh <laughs> I, I i i think magic trick is a great way to put it mitch i think this movie is like a it's a miracle it's a it is a um it's a movie i will think about for the rest of my life <laughs> it's yeah it's so and, good 
I mean, and also it's about... so crazy that it's the front runner. Like I yeah, cannot believe that it's the front runner. And it, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like because it's, and maybe this just has to do with the type of stuff that I read and listen to and, and that I pay attention to, but I feel like the fact that it's the front runner sort of is overwhelming the conversation about the movie itself and how fucking good it actually like talking about it being a miracle i i have it right here frank they shot it in 38 days they shot it at the beginning of 2020 and wrapped in the first week of march 2020 so like they like and i don't know why they were on such an accelerated shooting schedule i'm sure budget uh maybe there are other reasons but like like the fact that they shot this movie and if you've seen the movie, like you kind of know what we're talking about. Like just the, and forget the visual effects, like the sets and the costumes and the character, like this movie is all over the fucking place. It's beautiful. And and it looks, it looks like a million bucks. So yeah, just a, a really incredible achievement. I hope um, I mean, I, I, I hope it's rewarded. I hope it wins at least a few of these. I would be more than happy for it to win best picture. I don't even really know. Um, uh, tar, like I said earlier, that's the one other movie that I think is kind of on this level, um, for me personally. And, and there were other great movies, you know, we've talked about a lot of them, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. This, what if like Fablemans wins? <laughs> I was trying to think it, of the funniest you know, one so, to win Best Picture. Is, I think Fablemans would be the funniest one to win. It's funny you say that because I I watched the Fablemans recently and I, I listened to a podcast a few days ago that was about it, but the pod had been released in like November, whenever the movie came out, and they were talking about the movie as like the best picture front runner at the time. And this is months ago, but huh. I I don't know. It was just like an interesting time capsule and kind of shows like how silly this whole thing is because listening to that, because I, I, my understanding is it's everything or maybe Banshees has a chance. Maybe I, I don't know if you guys keep up with any of that stuff, but uh, yeah, like, I don't know. This stuff just really ebbs and flows. So who knows who the fuck, maybe Top Gun's going to win. Well, we hope that it wins everything everywhere, everywhere, all at once, all at once. Um, I think that's Mitch. it, boys. We got to Mitch the top of the it. movie mountain. Mitch, thank you so much for taking us on this journey, sir. Oh, th- thank you for coming on the journey and uh, for providing the the boots. <laughs> Absolutely. The boots are very important. <laughs> Absolutely. Boots on the ground. Uh, gentlemen, we've come to the end of the episode. We might do another one of these uh, uh, so stay tuned, uh, listeners, uh, for, for more art, content. Art, art takes a lot out of people, you know, so we're going to have right. to really weigh what is it worth? Right. What is it? What can we, how much do we have to give? That's right. That's right. Uh, gentlemen, do you have anything you would like to plug before we go? Uh, yeah. Watch Crimes of the Future. That's my oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. The, the bonus bonus movie that didn't make any of the Oscar stuff. I think it was my second favorite of the year to uh, everything everywhere all at once. Very weird, not for everybody. We got to go. I can't get into it. But uh, <laughs> Crimes of the Future, David Cronenberg, super fucked up. Love it, love it. Uh, Matt, anything to plug? No, no plugs. Watch watch these movies if you can. The Oscars are uh, two Sundays from now, I think. So. 
Yeah, just check out these movies. Check out the Hoops Group Pod. That's on our other it's, feed. It's really the crimes of the future of podcasts, I would say. Yes, yeah. a basketball yeah. podcast. Yes. yes, guys, I've been I've been listening. It's really good. Keep it. Thank up. you. It's that's, really good. That's very nice of you, Mitch. Uh, and thank you all so much uh, for listening. Uh, we love you. Thanks for sticking with us. This <laughs> yeah. was this. We should be nominated for Best Picture because this <laughs> at this length. I'm curious. Absolutely. We've been, we've been reporting the the length of these movies. I'm curious how many minutes we're going to come in at my, my less uh, than avatar <laughs> less than avatar less than over avatar. under over under elvis for us yeah uh i think we're under elvis right now but uh yeah oh um, shit then let's just keep talking let's just <laughs> keep going <laughs> all right everybody uh love you thanks for listening and we'll talk again soon bye